Welcome to Thirsty on Tune, where we drink wine and read webtoons. Hi, I'm your co-host Bronwyn, your webtoon obsessive, dopamine addicted, idiots in love, and slow burn sommelier. And I'm your co-host Chris, webtoons acolyte, enemies to lovers lover, and banter core aficionado. So pull up a page, pour yourself a drink, and let's dive in. You're thirsty on Maine, we're thirsty on Tune. Well, hello. And there's someone else on the line. Wait, I heard a voice. I heard a voice. (laughs) (laughs) Whose voice is it? It is David R. Slayton. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. This is absolutely our pleasure. (laughs) We have been excited since the moment you said yes. (laughs) Basically, maybe even before that, not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, maybe even. Just hoping. Just hoping. <laughs> I need to warn you that my partner wanted to be listening into this from the other room, but he's like, I have such a distinct loud laugh that I had probably better just watch the recording so they don't, oh. we don't hear him the whole time laughing at us. I, I would mean, love that. I, I would be nice say, to not be the only one with the laugh. I was going to say, no. <laughs> Steve frequently laughs in the background of our videos. We never cut it out because it's too funny. No, it's amazing. <laughs> so by all means, welcome. <laughs> Yeah, feel free. Feel free to tell him to say hi if he wants to. This is a very loose show. I didn't get that impression from the episodes I'd listened to at all. <laughs> no, no, no. They're so tight and non-chaotic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all the editing <laughs> that we don't do. <laughs> it's not, though. We used to edit. Remember that? It was very brief. Very brief. Who's got time for editing? Not me. Nobody. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to confess to your family's history of murder on air and leave it in. Oh my God. Steve. Like you said, they're all dead now. It's okay. They're all dead now. It's fine. We howled about that. Steve was just like, we're listening on a, on a road trip. And Steve's like, is that a, is that a real thing? Did, did Chris just confess to like a family history of murder? I'm like, yes. Yep. That's a real thing. Yes. I did tell my mom that I did that. And she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, which family doesn't have a closet murderer? I'm just saying. I've what got a that? cold case. There, the cold, there's a cold case that gets referenced in Trailer Park Trickster that I use, <gasps> but it's actually a, a true unsolved cold case from my family. Oh, interesting. That is exciting. Ooh, the deep dark histories. <laughs> right? right? Yeah, it was. I didn't find out about it until like the year before when I was writing Trickster. And I'm like, thanks for that, Gem Mom. I'll be happy to put that in. <laughs> the things that parents just randomly think to tell you like my like when I said this my mom was like well did you also tell them about how we're related to the Dalton gang that used to rob stagecoaches and I was like no I forgot that bit thanks <laughs> there's a whole book about the Kelly gang yeah <laughs> you get these apocryphal things that happen and yeah. so what's weird is like family apoc- you know apocryphal history and then you yeah. For example, since I'm from Oklahoma, like the whole thing when Elizabeth Warren said she had, you know, Native American blood and everyone, you know, was a big deal. It's like, that's a very common family myth in Oklahoma. Yeah. Like it, you, if you're not seeing this, I'm a very white person. I do not have any Native blood. That said, it's very common for white families to be part of the Wanabi tribe and be like, we have Native blood. Um, so when, when that happened with her, I was like, yeah, that's 
I, nearly everybody that I grew up with or went to school with, or even in my own family, sometimes those myths would circulate oh, yeah. and percolate. Oh yeah. So interesting. My family definitely had one of those myths too, that I was way too old before I realized was absolutely fiction. <laughs> <laughs> my mom liked to tell people we were black. We're not black, but I did. <laughs> I do did enough research to find out I do have one black ancestor yeah. somewhere in the train there. And um, so it's like, but still mom, come on. <laughs> <laughs> history is it's fascinating right like I, like I have Japanese cousins but that's because my very white uncle married a Japanese woman <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're wonderful and I love them dearly <laughs> but, not not make you Japanese not, sorry does that no no <laughs> it did give me an excuse to go to Japan though that was really fun well see that's that's a good one I'll take yeah, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh God, families oh. are so weird. They are so weird. Delightful. I was not expecting to end up here five seconds into the podcast, but we just started. We're already <laughs> the weirdness is already surfaced. You know? <laughs> I mean, start as you mean to go on, right? <laughs> right. So, what's everyone drinking? Now that we've talked about family cold cases, what's everyone drinking? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. David, why don't we start with you? What do you have on that on top? So my lovely partner brought back from Oregon uh, a two-town cider house hollow jack chai spiced pumpkin cider, which sounds like a lot, but it is actually just the right amount. Now, I don't drink very much. In fact, I very rarely drink, so I should be a little bit silly because this is a large bottle. It's 6.5% alcohol, so I'll be sipping this throughout the podcast and who knows what secrets will come out. I am very excited to see it. Sounds delicious. Bronwyn, what do you got? Well, I am, as per the years, double fisting. So I have club soda Mm -hmm. and club soda plus gin. There we go. (laughs) Wait, why why both? If you're going to drink club soda with the gin in it, why do you also have just club soda? Because I'm thirsty. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just, all right. I am sad. I just have water tonight for one reason and one reason only, which is that I drank the entire bottle of wine last night. Yeah. I mean, I was here for that and that was amazing. It got silly. I was writing application essays and I couldn't do it. And I was like, fine, we're going to write drunk, edit sober. Uh Uh, And I wrote very drunk. (laughs) And we are now in the edit sober. Yeah, I was going to say, and I sent it unedited to my professor to read. Oh my (laughs) Well, I was still drunk when I sent that email. It seemed like a great idea at the time. Uh, She loved it. It's fine. (laughs) Just let me in. I'm awesome. (laughs) Give me in here. (laughs) She was like, maybe we make it make a little bit more sense, but otherwise it's great. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) That's a fantastic response. A little clarity in the um, entire letter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, I mean, the, the entire introduction, I have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, but the points were great. <laughs> Look, it's been a hot minute since I wrote an essay, but I give good email at least. So that you do. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, uh, so yeah. So no alcohol for me, just water, sadly. Oh, I know. I could have gone and get, got some, but it was raining. <laughs> You're probably still a little steeped from last night. You know, work your system. Yeah, we're not we're not drunk, Chris. Now we're hungover, Chris. <laughs> oh. 
So obviously we don't need uh, to uh, warm up too much, but would you like a warm up game? <laughs> sure. The right. answer when Chris says, do you want a game is always yes. And also, oh no. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because I've never run them by any single person before I did them. <laughs> so tonight we're going to do Adam Binder series smash or pass. Ooh. Only it gets progressively worse. <laughs> Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Where's this going to go? <laughs> exactly. So obviously, you, I, I'm assuming, David, that you know what Smasher Pass is, as, as if it wasn't self-explanatory by the name. It's basically <laughs> swipe right or left, right? Yeah, exactly. It's your little tender game. <laughs> or grinder, whatever you're into this day. <laughs> obviously, we would start with Adam. Smasher Pass. Ooh. Well, obviously I would have to smash because Adam's amazing and I love him. He's adorable. I, I would smash, but it's a weird feeling because A, there's an age difference. Dude, second, he's well, largely yeah. me. So <laughs> look, we've already talked about this with time travel. <laughs> you go back to narcissistic. <laughs> I don't think that episode's aired yet, Broadwood. So we have enough. talked about it, but no one's heard it. How, uh, how many times have we talked about it though? <laughs> that's fair. That, that does bring up the you know infamous question of if you could time travel, would you smash yourself? <laughs> no yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, i'm right there with you i'm like i don't understand it's i think i would love the confidence of someone who says yes confidently but i'm not that person i just like i have how long to convey as much information about how to get your shit together like but while <laughs> smashing <laughs> that's the only way to talk to them uh, yeah <laughs> okay listen up quick <laughs> your stuff out <laughs> Oh my god. 401ks. What are those about? Yeah. yeah. You really should try therapy now, not later. You'll you'll thank me. Oh no, that yeah. one I got. That one. Oh good. We all 20, did. Year, we 20 all years did. old. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. Oh good. yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> the rite of passage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Smash or pass. Pick. Obviously oh, smash. Hard oh, smash. There's no. Yeah. There. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no question. I, I mean, you, it gets progressively worse, right? This is the easy route. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Smash or pass silver. Smash, but again, a little bit of the narcissistic side. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit it and quit it. That's fair. That's not a repeat smash for you, is what I'm no. hearing. No. Super pretty, but oh God, dear God, run. <laughs> Yeah, I had that date once. No, yeah. no. <laughs> I feel like I've been on that date a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that awkward feeling when your ex-boyfriend becomes king of the elves? I mean, God, <laughs> who hasn't been there? <laughs> God. All right. Argent. Smash or pass? Oh, smash. I'd have to pass because, well, A, I'm super gay. And B, it would be too scary. She'd, she'd hurt me a little <laughs> I, but I mean, she, I would happily let, so I let Arjun step all over me every chance I got. <laughs> and, I, and I should declare too, Arjun is a, as a romantic. So Ooh. she is, um, she's definitely on that, that Yay. Um, asexuality spectrum. So she, yeah. she would definitely smash, but she wouldn't call you the next day. You yeah. Know what? I mean, fine. that tracks. <laughs> yeah. But then you go home to Vic at night. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, okay. Okay. So now we're moving out of the easy ones, probably. Uh-huh. Bob- Bobby. Ooh, complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I think pass on that one too. I'm afraid. Yeah. I mean, we have the, the expert here, so we can ask officially the important question of he can't find the clip, right? I firmly believe that no straight man should be allowed to have sex with a woman until he can diagram it. He can't, he presumably can diagram it, but something tells me he fails in the execution. <laughs> I'm just also going to say again, super gay. I know where he's at. I know where the little man in the boat is at. So if right? I can find it. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not that hard. I just, mean. Seriously. <sighs> but also, I women, feel like. Women feel stop like... settling for the orgasm gap. It's just got to stop. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do feel like Annie probably would have trained him up. Okay. So post Annie, maybe he can yes. find the clip. Yeah. Pre Annie, okay. probably no chance in hell. I did not drink enough. I did not pregame enough for this. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky because find the clit is another game we've talked about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can they? Can't they? <laughs> At least I picked Smasher Vaz. It could have exactly. been worse. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Okay. So next up, the personification of Adam's car. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Would you smash? smash but here's why. <laughs> Please. There's a reason. That whole reason I used that car is the boy that I had a major crush on in high school drove that car when I was a freshman. He was nice. Stop. I he love that. He lived near enough to me and he would wash it and just wearing cut off jean shorts. And it, it's a whole. Oh my God. Okay. Well, memory that, in David's brain. So yeah, that made it more of a smash than a pass then. I'm not super like a car person, but that yeah. definitely. This is the car if the car was a person. You just have to like use your (laughs) exactly. This is not like like tingle title, you know, pounded by the personification (laughs) of a 77 cutlass room. 100% it is. And I just heard that you both said yes. So (laughs) I love it. All right. It's a big car, Chris. (laughs) I'm just saying. Yes, it is. (laughs) Some people like a muscle car, you know. Look. <laughs> that car works out. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks good in a little cut off, you know. <laughs> All right, smash or pass? An orgy of reapers. Oh God, pass! Oh God, pass! Oh, pass. No. you don't die in the process. You might want to, but you don't. Just for the record. <laughs> well, and there's a whole consent thing because reapers are a form of possession, so the yeah. physical people don't necessarily know that they're. So yeah, I have That's to pass true. on that. I was more envisioning the ones that were actually like reaping in front of uh, Sarah's house, like just having they also an orgy. Seem like they would have <laughs> um, like split focus. I mean, you're right. They could get called away at a moment's notice. And like, I don't know. I just I want you to be present in the moment. Listeners, you know? <laughs> David has put his head in his hands. <laughs> David is just like, do not share the link with this for of this to your agent, family. This show is extremely explicit. In case you hadn't picked that up from the other, I think the use of the c word and like the opening moments on the episode about my books pretty much gave me. (laughs) Oh yes, we called. Would you like us to send you like an edited version of that? I don't think it's going to be possible. It'll it's be, your well, show. And then you goodbye. Do, it's your show. You do you. 
<laughs> oh, the 15 second version of our show that's yeah. for, safe for consumption. <laughs> it's like when they edited Dexter for CBS. I was like, how are they? They're going to have to take that one character out, right? You know, like, in every other word, it was MFMMO. It was like, yeah. how are you? These characters. I, I definitely, as a, as a young kid, watched an edited for TV version of the movie Gone Baby Gone and had no idea what that movie was about. Mm. <laughs> it was so edited. I was like, huh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's I watched funny. it later and went, whoa, that's what this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. All right. So, <laughs> Orgy Reapers is a no go. Yeah. No go. What about the cunt herself? Death. <laughs> Can I go with no? Smash. I'm going to pass the smash. I, uh, I, I dug her. I. <laughs> You really, you I, really I, you know, I'm, did I, yeah, an uncomfortable I, about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'd probably just be like, just to see what it would be like at least once. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah's great. I, you know, she's, she's interesting. Yeah. Bronwyn, your crush on death is reaching emo levels. I just need you to know that. <laughs> uh, I smile too much to pull off goth, but that's I the only know. thing separating me. <laughs> Happy goth. Happy goth. <laughs> Oh, okay. Smash or pass? The desert of existential dread. Pass. <laughs> I mean, a, it's not a sexy setting, and sand gets everywhere. <laughs> it's a thing. So I, I'm with you 100 percent on the pass, but I feel like there's a David quote in here. Something about your sex tape. <laughs> you dared to say. <laughs> yeah, desert of existential dread. Title of my sex tape. <laughs> Thank, thank you to Brooklyn Nine Nine for that. I know, I know. that's what I thought. Of so good. Immediately. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we're in the final stages. Maybe this wasn't as hard as I thought. It seems like they're all passes up here. <laughs> but um, we have the Druid Smasher Pass. Ew! Oh no! Pass! No. Pass! Ooh, God pass. no! No, mm-hmm. you you wouldn't. You'd lose your head. You know, just kill it. He'd slit your throat. Like, well, and dear God, has any man ever brought more tiny peen energy to the table? <laughs> You're right. You don't. You don't form a family curse that lasts generations if you have a big penis. <laughs> you don't do it. <laughs> you know, advice to live by. Just saying. <laughs> That's not very big dick energy. (laughs) It's not big dick energy. There's no foomp there. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I'm just saying. That is is all. (laughs) all. But I want you to know, these are the ones I didn't discard. It got a lot worse. (laughs) Dropped out of the scheme. We'll need to see the unedited version at some point. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, in that game, everyone lost. <laughs> we all had fun. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well, do you want to just jump right into some yeah. questions? Then? Yeah. yeah, we're warmed up. I think we're sufficiently warmed up I after think we that. Are. Excellent, excellent. Bronwyn, all right, bring us the first question. Sure. Uh, David, do you want to tell us a little bit about your origin story as a writer? Sure. So, like my main character in this series, Adam Binder, I grew up in a trailer outside of Guthrie, Oklahoma, in the woods. Um, 
like him, I'm a high school dropout and gay. And like him at one point, I emigrated to Denver and really I was, I was the third kid. So I was always, I was kind of abandoned in a lot of ways in that I just was left alone. And that was great in many ways. I just made stories up in my head and I was a very quiet, ghostly child. And my grandmother really supported my creativity. And she really just knew she was so great at knowing when to engage with me and when to leave me alone. And that was so important to me. And my parents did a lot of things wrong, but one thing they got super right is we were just buried in books. We always had books between my grandparents and my parents. We always had books around the trailer. And I just grew up as a very quiet bookish nerdy kid. And here's a really, here's a really good example of like how I am me. Um, Doctor Who came on channel 13 on our, on our PBS station. We only had like four or five channels. Oh God, I feel and that so deeply. <laughs> when my dad, when my dad was working as a police officer and a different, he's doing a lot of stuff as he was trying to work his way through his BA and he would get home around 10, 10, 15, and he would wake me up to watch Doctor Who with him at 1030, which meant sometimes I'd catch a little bit of Benny Hill before. <laughs> But it, it drove my mom crazy because I'd watch Doctor Who with my dad on weeknights and it it turned me into like a little insomniac kid. And it also um, put all this wonderful sci-fi stuff in my head. And my mom had a serious soft spot for Star Trek, despite all her religious stuff. And so I, um, you know, I just it's funny that I, I ended up I ended up writing fantasy because I grew up on like sci-fi and space opera like Star Wars. And so all of that just kind of, you know, melded me melded in my brain into making me this kid who told stories in his head and eventually started writing them down. That's awesome. I relate hard to that. I'm not going to lie. This is very rural Ontario instead of Oklahoma, but same, same. Uh, I got the Doctor Who tattoo for watching with my parents. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, we had uh, about four or five channels as well. And three of them were en français because we were on the Quebec border. <laughs> I just got my French cover. I don't know if you saw and it. It was gorgeous. gorgeous. Pretty great. It's, yeah. it's wow. pretty. Uh, it's the, the American covers. Um, I'm glad that they're not super sexy or anything. Cause they're, you know, I didn't want it. Cause it's not paranormal romance that sometimes mm-hmm. gets mixed up with that. But the French cover is like, it's, it's a uh, Adam's looking kind of smoldery. Yes. yes definitely definitely with a smolder yeah a smolder <laughs> a smize he's like really giving it to the camera if they do a similar one for book two with Vic I I might oh die we'll yeah god, please oh my god please. we need to see that please <laughs> it'll be soon because they're doing the French the French editions are coming out from a lady um through Braglion in January March June like they're, so the translations are just doing them all three right yeah. Back to back oh, to back. brilliant. So by summer of next year, we'll have all three books in hand. Oh. And I am ex- I'm excited to see what they do with the other two covers. Are there yeah. going to be audio versions in French? I don't know, but I hope so. I keep I keep getting excited about that idea. Um, I'm also hoping for German because Germany, you have to copyright titles. You can't copyright titles in America. So mm-hmm. it's like you could both each write a book called White Trash Warlock and no one could do anything about it. Right. But um Germany, since co- titles are copyright, copywritten, uh, you have to be very unique. So I'd be very curious to see what my German title turned out to be. 
Right? Oh, I love the translated titles. They make me so happy. Have you ever seen the like Japanese title for Twilight? Oh, dear Lord. No. The vampire boy I'm in love with sucks blood. (laughs) I want to write that book. Please Please write that book. book, I want to write that book. Yeah, (laughs) you absolutely should. (laughs) I would. Yeah, that would be a better book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> easily. Hey, easily. No shit. Well, I mean, the thing about Twilight is it's for preteen girls. Yeah. I am never going to be a preteen girl. And so I don't, and no shade. It made a ton of money. So, yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, I read them all. I, oh, I did too. I, I did not. The experience I had with them was definitely enjoyable. It was not the intended experience, but it, I you enjoyed weren't a preteen it. girl no. when you read them either, which not. makes the no. difference. But, uh, there are a lot of books out there for preteen girls and that are mm, less problematic. So Brown's <laughs> trying so hard to be nice. I liked them. I liked them. If if you are an aspiring writer, though, one of the important things is to know how to hook your scenes and chapters so that people cannot put the book down. And this Twilight, was very successful. Twilight does that very well. So reading, yeah. you should read Twilight just to study paragraph, uh, scene and chapter trend. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Transform- yeah. transitions there's the word i wanted and um already drinking see and um <laughs> yeah. figuring Welcome. out how to hook those the, yeah. like she does scene hooks really well yeah 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 Oof. i will never like, forget the second book's three blank chapters when she went into her existential trend i literally cried i laughed so hard <laughs> like actually i i forced I a mutual moved, friend of ours <laughs> uh, to read these so that i could watch her read like read that because that experience for me was so entertaining (laughs) we love it we love it I I mean I did I read all of them I enjoyed the crap out of it I really did so you know no shade I just wow and I will go hard for those movies those movies had no business being as good as they are How do we talk about Twilight for this long? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's your it's your show. I'm just I just guest starring here. <laughs> You're elevating, let's say. Yes. So back on track. Mm. Uh so you were originally a poet. Did you find it a natural transition to fiction? Well, I was never a very good poet. Um, though it did get me a scholarship to the University of Denver, which is what brought me here. And you can't have been a bad poet, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, no. Lying trust liar me. who lies. No, no, trust me. None of that shall ever see the light of day. Um, I don't even think I still have any of it. At one point in my various moves all over, I uh, took, I finally just threw it all out. And I had boxes, large boxes of handwritten poetry. And um, I went down to the dumpster the next day and somebody had taken it all, probably because they were trying to find like a piece of something for identity theft or whatever. But I was like, that no, no one should have this. It's like, this is like, what if you po- you're going to poison yourself with the angst? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I started out in poetry and then I, some point I, I don't know. I think I had like just a whole kind of break with it. Of I'm never going to be good enough at this to do anything with it. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel, I felt like I was outgrowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started writing prose, so there, there's a little like my epic fantasy that's coming out next year in 2023 you'll feel a little bit of that poetic prose style which i can because i can do more with that than i could in urban fantasy but yeah no i just i just kind of as part of myself i just sort of left behind but i did try to learn i did learn enough about language and rhythm to try to infuse some of that into my prose you absolutely do your Uh, words are 
very poetic very successful <laughs> yeah it's gonna make me blush <laughs> that's the goal i, I was you. gonna say that'll definitely happen yeah <laughs> If, uh, if Smasher Pass didn't make me blush, I'm not gonna. It blush. did it. It did make you drop your head into your hands. I think in disappointment, but you didn't blush. <laughs> <laughs> so we just have to work harder, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> my my cat is clearly upset by it. You can hear him. <laughs> oh, I did. It was very cute. <laughs> um. So you founded and sponsored the annual Trick or Read event in Denver. Do you want to tell us a little bit uh, about what motivated you there and what the event means to you and your community? Yeah, it's it's actually the easiest thing in the world, and I encourage anybody listening to do it. It's so simple. Just go buy some children's books, either new or gently used. We hit the thrift store and look for good quality, but a little bit cheaper, or we'll hit bookstores throughout the year and get stuff on sale. And then when you give out Trick or Treat, candy you just lay out a table on the porch and let kids also take a book it's that simple um it started out as an idea of you know i wanted to be able to figure out something to support writers especially marginalized voices i or so i i give out young adult middle grade and children's books and what happened was is people like well you know what if you're i'm in a rich neighborhood well the thing is people from poorer neighborhoods go to the richer neighborhoods. So you're getting kids books that they wouldn't have generally. Mm -hmm. And it really just started out that simple. And at some point I started throwing a party and having tarot readers. And the idea was you bring some children's books with you to come to the party. And then we just bag them up in bags of 20. So at the height of it, before the pandemic hit and slowed things down, we had about a hundred attendees. And people say, well, I get 100 trick-or-treaters. Okay, you take five bags of 20. And we were giving out 602 books across the Denver area. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so we, so we give out about six, we were giving out about 600 books um, across the Denver area. And then, we, you know, the pandemic has slowed it down. But those, those of us who are still giving out candy during the pandemic were, are just doing it locally. But it's the easiest thing in the world to do. And it I think it, it adds some value to the candy experience. It, it's not expensive and um, the kids just love it. I make so sure the cool. tables are really low for their height level with enough light. And the parents just think it's the neatest thing, which is cool because then some of the parents are doing it too. Oh, That's amazing. Yay. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that's sad about it is my neighborhood. I only get like 12 kids. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm like, do I go to another neighborhood and like, piggyback on someone else who gets a lot more or do I just you know but I, I love getting out candy it's something Adam talks about because it's something I really wanted to do when I yeah. growing up in trailer in the woods or in apartments I was so happy when I finally owned a house and I could give out candy to kids me too yeah. that was one of the things I loved about moving here oh yay yeah. yeah so you've already made it pretty clear that Adam is part of you are there other characters that are based on elements of your life I'm the one that left. So Bobby leaving and wanting to get away is based on me. Um, Bobby has a lot of me in him. And a lot of Bobby's guilt about leaving is my guilt for leaving. I wish I'd spent more time with my grandmother, particularly. Um, My grandmothers, actually, because they were both really cool. And so his resentment about being from Oklahoma and the stigma, that's a lot of that came from feelings I had at one point. Um, Silver has a lot of me in him not Parak, but Silver in the sense of just being confused about what he wants and not necessarily being able to um, 
voice it or make us make a push for what he really wants. But my younger self would have dealt with a lot of that. Adam is the most me, but Adam's nicer than I am. He's, he's better than I am as a person. Mm-hmm. He's, but he has some of the things I dealt with where when I first, you know, arrived in Denver and started going into the gay scene and trying to interact with people and guys, I was, you know, in my early twenties, but I was definitely much younger in my social experiences and stuff. So that's something he, he certainly got from me when Bobby's like, wow, he's 20, but he's not. That's absolutely a piece of myself that I placed in Adam. That's really cool. It's neat to kind of see the, you know, when you're a whole person and then you get to kind of piece that out into different characters and then flesh them out into different Mm -hmm. people as well. It's, it's kind of an interesting experience to read that. Well, I'm writing the spinoff now, Rogue Community College, and it's got a whole class. And (laughs) so excited. (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't, none of them have my background. So darn it, I have to make them from whole cloth. (laughs) (laughs) I love that though. Uh, Especially because you've already created this whole sort of environment to put them into, right? So, Mm, yes, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm having I'm having fun with the various personalities, and because it's community college, you have people who are a little bit older and more mature in some ways. You have people who are younger, and I I get to speak to a lot of community college classes. And I started out in community college because again, me too. Yeah, and so I have a, a. strong fondness for community colleges and yeah. what they can do. I also am aware of, you know, the, the disparate ages and backgrounds that can come into play in those classrooms. And so it's fun to, it's fun to mess with that. It's very much Doctor Who meets X-Men. Oh. I'm so <laughs> excited for this. You can't. I know. I'm dying. <laughs> I, yeah. You just gave me like a billion follow-up questions. So, like, so I'm going to go off script a little bit on us. Broadway, please, but, please, please, please. Um, I, you know, I'm curious, you talked about kind of feeling like Bobby and leaving that past behind. So I'm interested how, how did you come about writing about it? Was this part of your learning to accept it? Did you do that after you'd done that work? Well, I always thought I was going to be an epic fantasy author, which I am. My first one's out next year, but super excited about that. But we're just going to keep squeeing every time you mention a future project. No one can see us, but we're flailing in the background here. (laughs) So frustrated because I I couldn't sell one and I had an agent and he couldn't sell it. And I got a new agent. She hadn't, you know, we were having, it just was not making headway. So I finally just hit this point where I said, you know what? I'm just going to write something for me. It's going to be super gay. It's going to be super weird. It's going to be dark. And I took all these ideas and I had two, I had an autobiography kind of in my brain. And I had this urban fantasy idea, the thing at the beginning with Bobby and the monster and the baby carriage Mm -hmm. Um, that was in my brain. And I was living by a hospital that was being demolished Mm -hmm. here in Denver. And so essentially those projects just kind of merged when Adam sprung into my brain. Um, Like you do, he just said, hi, I'm here. And I said, okay. And I thought (laughs) I was going to put it on Wattpad or I thought I might throw it up on my website and prove I could get people. If people could read that, then I might say, look, I have an audience, somebody buy my fantasy. But as I was writing it, I realized it was okay. This, I think this might actually be commercial. And when I was finished it, I sent it to my agent and said, what do you think? And she she loved it. Yeah. Rightly so. She stayed up all night reading it and said, yeah, this is, this is the one. So as did I. (laughs) <laughs> and i and i had sold an epic fantasy by that point but then we had to pull the contract because the publisher was having problems and 
So my, my publishing journey is this weird epicycle roller coaster ups and downs, but we're here now. It's all good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Um, you talk a little bit about like the traditional and the urban fantasy. And I, I did find that there was a really interesting blend of that in the Adam Binder. Is that, so is that a, a function of that story? Like, did it come out of that story creation process or was it more intentional to, to blend the two? It's kind of my natural instinct. Um, I, there, I have a couple of things I really like in urban fantasy and I have a couple of things that drive me crazy mm. that, or, or that I didn't want to do specifically. First of all, Adam, Adam is definitely a bit thirsty, right? He definitely has a thing about guys and, and he, because he's lonely, but one of the things you get so much of in traditional urban fantasy is a lot of, if it's written by dudes, usually, mm-hmm. um, it, there's a lot of misogyny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want that. There's a lot of the male gaze when it comes to women, like, oh, that woman's really hot. She's a corpse, but I'm like, dude, you're checking out a corpse. Like, what is all of this that's so real oh my god (laughs) and even and there's a lot of phenomenal urban fantasy out there of course urban fantasy has some phenomenal people working in it um Mm -hmm. stephen blackmore stuff is gritty and noir shauna mcguire's october day series love that series yeah really good stuff um i love comparisons the hollows i also but i didn't want I didn't want a character to be too powerful, right? So a lot of urban fantasy, the guy walks on the scene and he's throwing fireballs and he's super powerful right off the bat. And there's, again, it's kind of a lot of wish fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've played enough D&D with those guys that I didn't, you know, <laughs> turned off by that all powerful character. So I like that Adam's kind of weak and scared and running away yeah. all the time. So I wanted somebody who is definitely not powerful, but still does the right thing. I don't, yeah. it, I don't get much satisfaction out of Superman because Superman mm-hmm. is so powerful. And it's like, he, I'm doing the right thing. Well, you should, you have the power. Mm-hmm. Whereas Batman has all the money, which is in our society really is the most power. But if you have somebody who's like the new Captain America of the rails. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. The gay one. Yes. He's poor. You know, he's gay. He has all these things, but he still does the right thing. Yeah. That's the character. Yeah. I want. I want a character who doesn't have all that privilege or all that power to still be doing the right thing when nobody's looking. And yeah. that's what caused me to write Adam the way I did. But I am kind of circling back to the question because that was a long answer to not answering the Loved question. Loved it. Though. No, no, that's what we're aiming for. <laughs> <laughs> that's our brand. Exactly. Um, I mean, honestly, it is. <laughs> But um, I am, you know, I'm, a, I'm an epic fantasy author. So you find epic fantasy bleeding into the urban a lot more than I think some other. Also, I, I don't like when urban fantasy doesn't go into the other world enough or when it stays too street level. I want, mm-hmm. I want a blend of both, right? Mm-hmm. And I try to strike a nice balance between the spirit realm and what's going on over there and those politics and then the down to earth Oklahoma dirt mm. level. I particularly like the way you blend that in the uh, anchoring of the towers. I love that. Like there's uh, when they're, they have a grain silo as one of the towers and how you have the gnomes driving the little tractors and, and the alfalfa and they're, and I'm just getting this like incredibly like vivid image in my mind from growing up in an extremely rural, very, you know, agricultural area like that. I love that. I love that you can have something that is so typically kind of 
not sexy. (laughs) Not written about in this sort of like, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this epic? Isn't that, you know, and have it be that, have it be a special, epic, beautiful place. Because it can be, it is, it's, you know, it's a very different aesthetic, but it's still beautiful. So Oklahoma is red mud and switchgrass and rattlesnakes, but every once in a while, you get out to a point where it's just a field of red mud and it's just rain. So there are puddles of water on the red clay mm-hmm. and the sun is setting in just the right way. And everything just turns this med- the water turns this magnificent purple mm. or there's thunderstorms on my 21st birthday. I was living in Dallas and I drove back to Oklahoma city to spend it with my lesbian friends and mentors who were way older than me and made me ridiculous cocktails to put me right to sleep. Sadly, <laughs> Russian quaaludes. They, oh. they, they do what the label says. Oh my goodness. Why? Yes, I guess so. What an I, I stopped because the moon was full in the center of the sky and it was clear, but on either side of it in that great table sky, there's thunderstorms on both sides and the lightning was bouncing all around. Oh. I just sat on the hood of my car watching that and what a, what a distinct memory. So that was Ardmore, which is why White Trash Warlock starts in Ardmore. in Ardmore. Wow. You even talk like a poet. You're telling us you're not poetic. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> We're just listening to you describe that. Like, wow. Seriously. It's the cider, Chris. It's the cider. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, right drunk at it sober. <laughs> in vino veritas. <laughs> oh, which is not even the first time I've said that today. No, you've said that a lot today. <laughs> Uh, so we know Adam and Vic have a very particular taste in music, you know, <coughs> straight boy music. Uh, <laughs> but have you developed a playlist for all your characters? Do you listen to music as you write? And does that inform each character or more scenes? I use music from to some long answer. Sorry, I, I don't Those think I'm taking short ones. So I do have some playlists on Spotify. And if you if you look up the Adam Binder series, you'll see I put playlists together. I think yes. I have one up there for silver, which I've been building slowly. Some of them are private, some of them are public, but all of my books have a playlist. So you'll see at oh. Room Community College to catch a geek. Um, and I'm always, I'm always fiddling with them. So they, they'll change a bit, but I don't create a playlist for character because what I generally need to do because of my disassociative disorder, I don't have the same general feeling reactions that are considered baseline. So what happens is, I need to sometimes figure out an emotion. So if I know there's a song that will give me a certain feeling, I will play that song, feel it, sit down and then take notes. Okay, this is how that feeling works for me. That's very blue or that's a tension in my stomach or whatever. And then I write that down and then I can go write the scene and I can incorporate those notes into the emotion. That's That's really cool. Yeah. There are a lot of Adam Binder profiles on Spotify, just FYI. I found, a I, lot. I found it by looking up David R. Slade. So. I'm going to have to go with there, but I just thought you should know. <laughs> I have the coolest readers and the fact that people are making play, playlists about Adam and the, there are people um, talking about him and tweeting and doing fan art. I mean, it just, yep. you, you don't understand the impact as an author because I this book debuted in 2020. It debuted mm-hmm. in the pandemic. Yeah, I had no idea how it was going to go. And because I couldn't do any kind of live event in person and I didn't, I wasn't able to talk to people or meet people or or get a sense of, is this working? Like, do they like it? So Mm -hmm. getting a piece of fan art, 
tweeted at me or getting a playlist or an email from somebody who's like, I grew up like that, or yeah. gosh, you, you really got the food right when you talk about the fried potatoes. And the oh my God, so true. Mm-hmm. Like it really, it every, I can love off one of those emails for two weeks. That's Aww. amazing. Well, I did see when I was creating the game, one of the things I ran across was you have a fanfic now. So, you know, you're moving into that sphere. Yeah. That's awesome to know, but I can never read it. I know. I know. I just had to tell you. We oh were, my gosh, I'm so excited. We were this close to playing a game of, is it a Taylor Swift lyric or a line from your fanfic? <laughs> that was the other game we almost played. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm going to make my partner read it. There you That's go. amazing. Oh my god. I can god, never I read it because I can't. There was that author who like read the fanfic and. Oh yeah. yeah. Wasn't yeah, that Cassie yeah. Claire? I think it was. That was a Shadowhunter thing, I believe. I think all the fanfic drama is a is a because Cassie Claire, right? <laughs> if it's either that or it's um Fifty Shades of Grey, it's one of the two. <laughs> but I am I am super touched by that. Now I do have to ask because I do have one fan who's really really campaigning for a Silver Vic Adam Thruple. Is it that I mean, one? It I wouldn't say be. no. <laughs> I know, right? It is. A, it was about uh, Silver and Adam. I don't think it was a oh. Thruple one. I know. I'll I mean, I have to go back and look at it again. I stand by the the hit it and quit it. Like that's yeah. a one night stand thing. But <laughs> I I have so much sympathy for Silver, and I'm I want to say too that Silver will be coming back in Rogue Community College. Oh, yay! With some cameos, he he's not a major player. Argent has a much bigger role, which yes. I'm really I happy. love Argent. Um, I think now that Druid's been out for a little bit, and this won't air like tomorrow. Bran is the love interest. Bran gets yeah. a lot of play. Um, which is nice because I love that little monster. I know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> chaos but, monkey. But um, oh. I, I would. If, I'm hoping that RCC continues as a series. Yeah. So, and we are I too. Can, and I can explore more. Also, if Adam continues as a series, so if either series gets to go forward, you'll get more of what's silver and yeah. what. I, and I have a, I have a whole plan for him, but I'll need more books in either series. But no matter which series continues. He'll get excellent. excellent 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 that is oh if neither okay. series continues i'll write a novella for him okay okay okay, okay. <laughs> we will hold you to that yeah <laughs> we, we need remember. more <laughs> I, have a lot, I have a lot of sympathy for silver yeah yeah no i feel that oh god because they just they feel like such real people right so yeah. It's nice to have empathy for them, but I just, nothing can interrupt that whole Adam Vickness of it all. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really want to, I, I'm, I'll admit, I'm hoping for more books with Adam because if I do, I'll take a bit of a time jump. Yeah. We'll flip forward a couple of years and Adam yeah. will be 23. And so things, <gasps> will, be, things will be a little different. Oh Maybe God. it might not go that far. It depends. The, the main plot hook for, but I know how book four starts and I'm not going to tell you because it will make you insane. <laughs> you never get to read it. Um, it's a really good hook though. I'm really, I'm really, oh my hoping. God, I'm already about to go feral off this like nuggets that you've given oh! us before, so just fair warning. <laughs> you know, I will say to, to your point that you've had this kind of amazing fan base. I mean, that's how Brownman and I found your book was just people on Twitter. Every time I'd ask for a recommendation was like, have you read white trash warlock yet? <laughs> even now that I've definitely read them and talk about them all the time I still get people going have you read that one okay good check that box I'll find yep. someone else now. <laughs> no it's true it's true they come up a lot <laughs> they do. They thank do. you it's, 
again, I had no idea. And now I'm actually getting to go to events and doing things. I had one or two events every day last week for Debbie Druid's release. And it's like, ah, I walked into a Barnes and Noble to sign stock and this one adorable bookseller, Amber, just like, ah, it was like, she like flailed, Muppet flailed and was so excited when I introduced myself. And it was like, again, my heart, my little heart. No, release day was like a party on Twitter. We were all like celebrating together and starting reading at the same time. It was, yep. you formed a little community. Mm-hmm. You really, well, and I hadn't heard the audio book. So I actually, during, in between so events good. and day job, I listened to the audio book. So I good. love, 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 love yeah. the voice actor for your audiobooks. Me too. I send him. So whenever somebody posts something about him and it's like, cause he's not on Twitter. I think his wife is um, Meredith. She's the director and she's really good too. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I'll screenshot and send him yeah. the good Aww, stuff. So. Yay. Cause like he's high key good. Mm-hmm. Like there was one even just today that was like, <laughs> you haven't heard anything until you've heard him say super dumb. And I like, I've listened to this audiobook three times already now. And that is oh. a stand out for me always <laughs> oh yeah i can't even remember that line it was that brand it's like and it's super dumb yes That's yes he's talking about his core like <laughs> he's like oh yeah i told them did. not to do this they did it anyway and it was super dumb and he's just he's got- <laughs> that voice actor doing brand honestly sends me every line every time oh my god and the other line that gets me there's the two and it's super dumb and then the isn't it though pills every time i'm like "Ah, oh my god (laughs) i'm really i'm really happy with how that scene came out and i like i loved a little bit of ambiguity we're not going to spoil right but i know we get pretty spoiler on here i know you do but um i'm going to try not to spoil but i liked that that scene has some ambiguity around it right it's Mm -hmm. not super clear as to who's what who in that moment and yeah yeah that's uh like uh Seriously, I can't, I can't. The only reason I'm not currently listening to Deadbeat Druid again is because my sister is going through the series now. Oh no, <laughs> and she I have to leave the, it. Yeah. The shared she's files. in Trailer Park Trickster right now. So she, I need to leave it open for her. This is our, our ongoing fine. pain of sharing audiobooks with our family members. Where we're yeah. like, okay, but like finish because I need to reread it. So I have, so I, I share my Audible library. I think my ex still has it. And then um, my, my partner and then a couple of people. And it's funny because I listen to a lot of tawdry MM fiction. So yeah. my library is 60 to 70% dude on dude stuff. And it's very funny because they're like, um, would you mind picking up something that's a little less sexy? <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not really, it's, I like a lighter stuff, especially when I'm working. So I'll like listen mm-hmm. to a lot of that. Yeah. I share it with my mom. So make of that what you will. <laughs> like, mom, don't listen to that one. Just don't do it. I know. Okay. I, I, I share it with my sister, my sister-in-law and, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. oh, who else? I can't remember, but I did offer with my mom too, because there's a book in my audio book library that I know she's, she's been really wanting to, to read. And I'm like, Oh, you're, you are welcome to share my audio library. Oh. You have to wade through my smut and no Right. Judgment. I was going to say, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's two rules. Don't ask questions. Do Look, not judge. My mother started me down that road. <laughs> no smut shaming, mom. No exactly. smut shaming. We do not smut shame in this house. Yes. Just pretend you didn't see it. Not because you would judge, but because we can't have this conversation. I'm not at that place. <laughs> well, and frankly, Steph doesn't have time to explain things to you. And Steph is the house, the family explainer. So. That's true. 
we have a family explainer so that mom doesn't google things that she shouldn't google that's really that's important brilliant. yeah <laughs> Bronwyn, you need that so you can stop googling porn accidentally on look okay <laughs> we we had the very strong midwestern we just don't we don't ask yeah. don't tell like just we don't talk about the bad stuff hence hence yeah. the dead cousin that i didn't learn about but mom what mom liked to do is she liked to drop these little truth bombs like You'd be having a nice time together. And she's like, you had a gay cousin who was murdered. Yeah, his dad found him with a screwdriver in the side of his head. I'm like, is that is this a Southern thing? Because my mom does that too. Yeah. So I'm Oklahoma, but I have strong Alabama roots yeah. on that side. And it that's very much a Southern. We don't, yeah. we don't talk about the bad stuff. We keep it locked in. And then every once in a while, out. I mean, I got a surprise cousin, but it was a, oh, by the way, this is your cousin. Oh, yeah. She's oh, that's actor, definitely happened too. Seen her in a thousand things, but <laughs> you know, how she have... looks like grandma. That's there's a reason for that. <laughs> she looks like grandma. Well, the problem is then somebody gets drunk and then they babble and they yeah. think they told just one kid, but then they get drunk and tell the other kids. So oh, it turns yeah. out they all know. So yeah. it's this weird, like again, there's apocryphal stuff and then there's yeah. the real stuff that you talk about. Yeah, it was that generational trauma mm-hmm. that. Adam is being impacted by all of this and he doesn't even know. And that's one thing he doesn't get closure on is he doesn't get to have a whole conversation with Sue about why didn't you tell me these things? Like there's so much that Sue didn't tell him that if she had, yeah, would have saved a lot of pain and maybe even some death. Yeah. You know, trailer park trickster has a decent body count. It does. Yeah. That's such a good point. And thinking of it that way is like Sue being part of that generation where you just didn't do that. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. That's interesting. She's dealing with a she is dealing with a deep unhealed grief for Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And that has Absolutely. Ever she Adam doesn't even know Jimmy exists. He didn't even yeah. know she had the son. That's yeah. how deeply she's hidden this and how hard she's she's mm-hmm. erased Jimmy because yeah. she can't cope with that loss. And mm-hmm. that's so um man, that's just so something my family would do. We, I oh, had yeah. three gay cousins I didn't know about. They just yeah. Didn't, me too. <laughs> Facebook really revealed a lot. <laughs> just I don't know. We celebrated our gays. <laughs> okay. And Canada. I grew up in the eighties. <laughs> okay. Canada. We don't, we get it. We with get hippie it. parents, hippie, yeah. hippie Canadians, hippie Canadians. We get it. Broadwind. <laughs> yeah. No night seventies for me. Seventies, Oklahoma backwoods with a lot of Alabama influence. Yeah, meant yeah. a lot of buried stuff that still true. that I'm still learning about. And I, mean, a lot of say, lost I grew up in the nineties and not much changed. So. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I mean I was born in the 70s, but I don't remember much from that. I mean I do, but like little things like you know, my dad taking me to swimming lessons when I was a toddler and stuff, but yeah. That's one thing I goofed a little. Some people like Guthrie is not that rural now, or, you know, or they're not that disconnected. And I was like, well, okay. I, yeah. A little bit of a time work from my experience to Adams, yeah. but Fair enough. also it depends if you have the money for a car. Absolutely. If you, have, yeah. if you have parents who will give you a car, if you have access, yeah. it's like told, yeah, Tulsa is not that far away and Tulsa is much more progressive in many ways, but do you have the money, the transportation? It's not mm-hmm. like you can walk. Yep. Nope. Exactly. No, I feel that. <laughs> I know I was gonna say that's true here too yeah like I currently well, the village I grew up in had 300 people if everybody was pregnant <laughs> just the fact that you had to use the word village pretty much sold it to us uh, all right <laughs> yeah well and, and uh, you know by a technical definition it was more of a hamlet if I'm being completely honest there wasn't even a street light like 
I was thinking of the chart of the Dungeon Masters, a Thorpe versus a Hamlet versus a town. Population level. We don't even have a population sign. It's not even a drive-through, like, blink and you miss it. You have to actually mean to go in or you'll never find it. <laughs> Just in a little hollow somewhere. That's, My sister very, lives there now. Very spirit realm. You have to mean, you have to, you know, mean to go in. <laughs> and don't eat, of it. don't eat food while you're there. The intent will determined (laughs) and it does have a like a hidden jewel of a little park there so (laughs) are you a fae those are your real horns aren't they look i mean i just couldn't afford the glamour today i didn't have the spoons (laughs) there's a scene in rogue community college where they have to go apprehend somebody at a ren fair and oh my god so arjun and Vran put plastic elf ears over their actual elf ears it's very so cute. cute oh my god oh yes my god. And this, the other wait. students are like i don't even have to bother with the glamour nobody cares about my trolls so. <gasps> that is awesome and i love that so much <laughs> it, was, it was a very fun scene to write it's also argent as um instructor and she's got a very emma frost like yes okay you're bleeding a little but you're gonna be okay I, i'll step in if it gets serious if he rips your arm off like mm-hmm. she's just very you know i'll beat you I with the bloody stump <laughs> <laughs> um so like this particular series, the Autumn Binders series really gets into an exploration of family and death and grief. We've talked a little bit about this and this like definitely our complex relationships with all three. Um, and obviously your perspective on this is something that spoke deeply to both of us here. Um, was that something you planned out when you started this or did it sort of naturally evolve through Adam? Well, so the way that the book came about is I was writing an autobiographical piece kind of, and I was like, all right, this will be like literary fiction. And then I was writing this urban fantasy thing and I didn't have, and I liked where the urban fantasy was going at the doctor in Denver with the possessed wife. I didn't have a main character. I didn't have Adam. Mm-hmm. And then I was driving through North Carolina for work and it was a full moon and the trees were overreaching the highway and the moon oh, was up. And I heard that Kaleo song, Way Down We Go. Oh. And you can feel that song just saying that in Druid, Way Down We Go. At some point, there had to be a drive down the spiral into Mm -hmm. the underworld because right then. And I was thinking, and this character popped into my head Mm -hmm. and he just started talking to me. And he said, I'm like you. I'm from Oklahoma. I'm like you. And And I said, well, I have an urban fantasy book and you would be great in that, but it's set in Denver. And he said, well, I could go to Denver. And so what happened was all that autobiographical stuff about family abuse and growing up poor and growing up in a trailer and a father struggling to do better, but still having a lot of issues and a mother kind of lost because my parents got married at 17. Oh my God. Right. They had their first kids. I mean, they were having kids as teenagers. They were just kids. Mm-hmm. And it means that all of that stuff for me got infused into Adam. And that, you know, I've been in therapy since I was 20 because, well, with my childhood, you kind of needed it. And mm-hmm. I was very lucky that I had a, a guy I was interested in. He's like, you need therapy and I'm going to recommend mine. <laughs> <laughs> And it worked. Um, It worked out a lot. But what happened was, is it allowed me to say all, you know, I'm I'm obviously much older now. I mean, I'm in my forties and Adam is not. So in a way, writing this book was very cathartic because I got to go back and say to my 20 year old self, these are the things 
I wish you would do or not do. Silver is a perfect example of this. Silver is not a good boyfriend. And mm-hmm. Adam, and then the people who are like, why doesn't he end up with silver? I'm like, he would be an unhealthy choice mm-hmm. to be with silver. And that's very clear in White Trash Warlock. And Adam has a really nice moment where he's like, he won't even stand up to his dad for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vic is willing to like hold my hand and make out with me, you know, to be yeah. very open about who I am, about who we are together. Yeah. Right. You know, Vic's whole response when they, when they're in a restaurant talking deeply and, and Adam gets nervous about another table and Vic's response is fuck them. Yeah. You know, it's like, this yeah. is, and that's, that's the healthy moment. The person who accepts you and wants you and is not ashamed of you. Yes. Um, so I was able to go back and give my younger, like, you know, and in many ways, Adam is, is young baby David. And I was able to give him a little bit of wisdom from that older self, the time travel mm. thing we talked about earlier yeah. without making out with him. <laughs> you said you'd smash. <laughs> he's, he's me, but he's a better version of me in many ways. He's nicer than I am for sure. He's a, he's a good person. He's self, mm-hmm. he's self-sacrificing. I don't think I could be as self-sacrificial as he is. I'm not sure I would have taken Bobby's call, right? I'm not sure yeah. I would have helped. A lot of people don't get it. A lot of people, why would he help these people? Like, well, they're family and family's mm-hmm. complicated. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I answered your question very well, but it, those themes are universal to me. Bronwyn and I were talking about the movie, The Fountain and how, mm-hmm our relationship to death and our relationship to our death that we're each growing in ourselves every day and is such a part of who we are as, as creatures. And Mm -hmm. it's, I really wanted Adam to be able to go through his family trauma, his generational trauma and resolve it. And if I do get more books with Adam, which I certainly hope I do, Mm. I won't be talking about these things anymore. He won't be, he won't be going back to the well of his childhood now those things will influence him and they'll come up but we won't be needing to delve into his father or into his yeah. his yeah. history that way i would like to del- delve into the mom side of things and yes. yes yes there's a lot more on that side of the family he hasn't explored and but the childhood trauma like if we meet adam again in a book four hillbilly hedgewitch he'll yeah. be <laughs> That's a great title. I love it so much. Yeah. He'll be definitely at a point where he's, you know, 23 and he'll have been through a couple of years of therapy and he'll be at a better point with it all. Mm. And we won't have to go back to as much of that. And I would love to get, I'd love to tell that story of that, Adam. Yes. Everything in the first three is an origin story. And now he has become who he's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, Oh, that is good. From, from getting real deep there, we're going to lighten things up for a bit uh, and do a Talking Comics family favorite, The Fast Five. Yeah. So answer as quickly as you can these five questions. One, what's your go-to recreational activity of choice? Video games. Yes. If you could go on vacation anywhere, where would you go? I would go back to Greece and I would probably spend a week in Delphi if I wanted quiet. I'd spend a week in Athens if I just wanted to see cool stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. What's your favorite food? Oh man, that's a tough one. Coffee. I know that's a simple answer, but honestly, coffee is like my favorite thing ever. And I I try to simplify my diet because I've 
learning to just deal with less decision paralysis. So yeah. I kind of eat pretty basic, but it's working for me. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, real. Yep. I love Greek, but again, I, I lean into the bit of my Greek heritage. And also I just love good Greek food. Plus I had my first date with my partner um, at a Greek restaurant here in Denver. So Greek's got some sentimental that things. So cute. That's awesome. What's your favorite thing about Denver? Oh man, um, Casa Bonita hands down, but unfortunately it's still under remodel. Come on, South Park guys. I hope it opens soon. Um, <laughs> Denver Denver is a city that is more complicated than you could ever imagine. Um, for example, we've taken in 10,000 refugees a year for over a hundred years. Wow. Which yeah. means that Denver is very much more ethnically diverse, culturally diverse than you could ever imagine. Yeah. We have little Shanghai, for example. If you go to North Aurora, we have um, an incredible... Uh, mosque and Muslim community there. We have oh. a Sikh temple not too far from the airport that is one so of the most cool. gorgeous structures I've ever seen. Beautiful. So Denver, you think of Denver as this plain city, and it is, but it has so much. And as a historian, which is something I bake into the books whenever possible, yes. I try. I love digging up hidden bits of Denver's history <laughs> and incorporating them. The outlaw missing heads, that's something every kid who grew up in Denver, I didn't knows um the thing the conspiracy theories about the airport that the Sarians tell at the first chapter white trash warlock yes absolute they're reconstructing the airport right now and they're leaning into it they have all these signs oh my god this is a hidden Sarian um command center is this area that for is or just so great the construction oh. signs are incredible um oh my god i love that so yeah Denver's okay, well- just Denver just made my list of places I, I need to visit. <laughs> Bronwyn, come, let's if go. If you come to Denver, yeah. I will take you on the White Crush Warlock tour. Yes. Um, Lakeside Amusement Park, it could be the, my favorite thing. It is beautiful, oh. faded, 1920s glory, oh. slowly crumbling art deco. It breaks oh. my heart just a little every time I see it because what oh. it is now and what it used to be, mm. its history is fascinating it was part of the beautiful city movement that bar that silver takes adam to yeah yeah it, and they have a drink that adam doesn't drink because he's smart enough not to um yep. <laughs> that's the original bar from our union station that got mm-hmm. transplanted to lakeside at one point so it's this incredible art deco it's all slowly fading and falling and it just breaks my heart but at the yeah. same time it's just gorgeous to see at the same time I don't think I've ever had a city described to me so beautifully. I know. (laughs) I love my city. Um, Our our gay park, Cheeseman, and the Botanic Gardens and Congress Park on the other side was all an Arapaho Indian burial ground. Wow. And it was a a cemetery. And then there was a massive fire because people were living in the crypts and having gambling and saloons. And Mm. that burned that whole area down. So the city moved the headstones. And didn't move all the bodies because the contractor was super shady. So ah! every time Botanic Gardens goes in and digs, like they did a parking, a new parking garage a few years ago, where they go in, they find human remains and have to, we have to deal with that. So, oh my God, that's so haunted. <laughs> the, cemetery, the cemetery where Sarah talks to Vic and Adam towards the end across from the salvage yard, that's a real place. That's Riverside yeah. Cemetery where many of those tombstones and yeah. quote unquote bodies ended up. wow this is fabulous i did not know any of that and i love it yeah it it always bugs me again in urban fantasy when somebody occupies a city in their in the urban fantasy but Mm. they don't use the city they don't they don't look into its history or it's or what's interesting about it denver is incredible we have castles in cherry creek i mean people don't (laughs) it's a a fantastically weird place (laughs) 
I, this is a side note, but you did just remind me of it. Have you seen uh, Loss of Spooky, David? Uh, no, but it's on my list. I think it's a fault, too. <laughs> oh, right? <yes>. Same. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, there's a character in season two that's an undertaker that cannot be asked to put the bodies in the right place that you just made me think of. <laughs> well, and the guy, I know one of the guys in it is the love interest in great north he's the gay yes. boyfriend of the gay yes. guy and they have the cutest little gay storyline going on and so it's kind of yeah i want to go watch it oh it's so it's so good and everyone's queer it's perfect i love it so much <laughs> so good oh my god and our final lightning question that we totally remembered that's what we were doing yes uh, <laughs> if, you could, if you could be best friends with a cryptid which one would it be oh man Probably Mothman because we we both like the moon. That's a mm-hmm. good one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. you could you could always, you know, s- sneak a peek at that badonkadonk that he's got back there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't think a lady in white counts because I'm actually related to one. So that's a whole thing, you know. Ooh. Well, My. now we're gonna need that story. <laughs> like your family history is very haunted. <laughs> it is. Seriously, I love this. I know. Do you have a legit lady in white story in your family? I do. And this is very fun. So I've told the story a few times. So I apologize for any listeners who've had to hear me talk about it, but it's a totally true story. I grew up in Guthrie, Oklahoma on Lake Liberty, which, and I grew up in the swampy end when we had a lady in white and on the weekends, teenagers would come down to the lake and you could see their pickup trucks bouncing along as they were driving, trying to find her, you know, drinking their dad's beer and doing what they could. When I would go to school, people were like, oh, you live on Lake Liberty. You know, do you, have you seen the lady in white? Remember that I was a weird, like, insomniac child thanks to my dad. So I'd wander the trailers at all hours. Yeah. I would have nightmares about her. She was this very floaty, yeah. white figure with her hippie dress and I would um wet my I'd wet the bed because I was so I'd have yeah. nightmares about her and be yeah. so scared years years wake up screaming think even as a teenager yeah. long after I moved away haunted by this lady in white and then I started hearing people talk about like we had one in Dallas when I lived there briefly at White Rock Lake and like oh lady and learned it was a common myth mm-hmm. Guthrie was hardly unique in this it's like this is kind of cool right to have that and then a few years before he died, I visited home and I was talking to my grandpa and he was in his rocking chair. And he said, now, remember, we lived on three acres. We lived at the bottom with the trailer, mm-hmm. the top of the hill. My grandparents had a small brick house. And in between my uncle and his wife, Karen, had a smaller trailer and he was a truck driver for a while. And they were, you know, potheads and hippies. And my grandpa in his rocking chair when I visited him a few years ago said, I remember when your uncle Johnny would go out trucking and your aunt Karen would get lonely and she'd smoke her marijuana and she put on her wedding dress and she'd wander the woods and she'd just scare those kids. <laughs> My aunt Karen was the lady in white. Yeah, that's totally amazing. And it's so funny how many people I've met from the region or area since to talk to and like, oh yeah anyway like it was my aunt karen she's just getting stoned and she they had gotten married she had this very hippie wedding dress stevie nicks because it was the 70s oh my god i can picture this exact thing because my mom had one (laughs) my aunt karen was the lady in white so at least one of them is just you know a person uh new life goal unlocked to make myself an urban legend oh my god i 
Yes, a thousand percent yes. Can this be our new show goal to make one of us become an urban legend in our Hell local yes. area? I mean, well, between we've got the antlers, so you're. I, you I know, mean, see? we're started. Exactly. We're started. We'll oh we'll God. race. See who can start the legend fastest. I mean, between our obsessions with Halloween and Gish, I I feel like we've got the resources. We're available. ready. We're yeah. ready. Oh, this is a thing. Oh my God. That's the life goal. I, when you said you had stories about Aunt Karen, I did not anticipate them being so aspirational. <laughs> Karen was fantastic. I, I, my, I, she and my uncle divorced at one point and he, he married a woman named Skeeter. Um, and I don't know. I, I, it's funny. I lost, we lost track of Karen when I was in my teens, but I, um, she was cool. She, yeah. she, again, she gave me a Ken doll. And she like, yeah. <laughs> like was... yeah, yeah. The second KS Ken doll. <laughs> this was a before show conversation, but <laughs> yes, we have determined that magic earring Ken is the gayest Ken doll. Yes. And just Google that listener. If you need yeah. confirmation, just get an image and you yeah. will agree. You will be on the same page. Honestly, yep. you might become one of the mascots of this show to be honest. Yep. so perfect. <laughs> Yep, Snallygaster and Magic Earring Kendall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, it does not get better than that. (laughs) And yet we continue. (laughs) And yet this is going so much calmer than what I expected. (laughs) (laughs) When you're in it, you don't feel it, I think. Exactly. (laughs) You're on the ride. It's when you're listening to it, like, what is happening? Can you uh, walk us through your writing process? Like, um, what's your favorite part? Your least favorite? What do you like? What what makes your writing process stand out a little? Well, it all it's all painful at different points. Um, <laughs> Fair I, enough. I really love the discovery phase when, I, and I I'm a tweener, so I don't I don't sit down and plot the whole thing like Katie Edwards with the tarot sequence. He's fantastic, but he writes a serious, intense outline. He's a, he's a friend and he does a he's a whole plotter. He plots the whole thing before he writes a word. And that's mm-hmm. brilliant, but I don't get it. And then I have other, like, and then you have like George R. R. Martin who's a total pantser, which means he just makes it up as he goes and takes a lot of tangents. And that's cool. Cause you know, he can write books that size. Um, I am a tweener, meaning I tend to write the five big scenes and then I pants my way between them. So I still have some fun and I sometimes still have to catch. I'm my favorite part is that is when I'm making the world, when I'm making the characters and when it starts to, when it starts to gel, like I, I've talked a lot of this because I'm working on rogue community college, the spinoff. Mm-hmm. And that's what my, you know, big goal is right now to get that done as fast as possible for my publisher. So it's my, you know, it's all I can really think about at least 50% of my brain power at all time is concentrating on that. So I'm at my least favorite part, which is I have those five big moments I have the cast and the characters, but it hasn't quite all gelled yet. Mm. And so what I'm at, it's like quilting. I've got mm. squares everywhere and now I need to sew them all together. And I need to make sure that the seams don't show too much. I think they show a bit in Warlock because Warlock was a squish of two books. And it was my first book um, that published. I, 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 I was going to say seams and I've no. read that book a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Druid, I think, is a lot smoother. You can you can feel Druid's a lot more of a yeah. mm. plotted experience. So RCC is at that point where it's my least favorite part of the process, which mm. is trying to make all the quilt squares connect. Mm-hmm. And I didn't write it linear because I have a high, hard deadline, which means I have to be making progress. So I'm not working in a linear fashion. I'm like jumping to the end and doing that and then coming back. And 
So my, pro my process tends to be, I don't write every day and I don't recommend that authors work every day because life happens. I still have a day job. You know, I love my books and I love my publisher, but I'm still at the point where I have to work a full-time day job. And that means that I'm sometimes, you know, it just doesn't happen. Today was a good day. I had a, a, a good example. I had too much to do and I just didn't get to write. So what's going to happen is I don't try to write every day. I try to write a certain block a week and deliver a certain amount of product a week from my writing. And so my goal at the moment is, okay, I didn't get anything done today. So I'll make that time up tomorrow or I'll make it up over the weekend. Well, that's, so that's a really good approach. It's very yeah. flexible. It's healthier. And then you're yeah. not coming out of it. Because what I found was if I said, I must write this much a day or I'm a failure, what happens yeah. is I internalize and then I get down oh. falling farther and farther behind. I don't know oh. anything about that. Oh, How's it going to come out of so hard? <laughs> David, this is supposed to be about you. <laughs> I, didn't... I had something for this. Is it like childhood trauma? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my feelings. God, you're going to need to do a whole feelings. host of new posters. <laughs> Which I cannot tell you how many of those I've shown around all my friends oh. and family, just FYI. Un unequivocally on the side of murder is my phone background at the moment. <laughs> so for those of you listening who don't know, when Chris and Bronwyn did an episode about my books, which is why I reached out and said I wanted to be here, they had all these awesome phrases that they <laughs> mentioned. So as I was listening, I opened up uh, Canva. And was um, quickly whipping up posters and, sent and tweeting them at them as I was listening. It was such an incredible experience. The one where you're like, oh my God, who, who's weird enough to handle this? Better call your brother. I absolutely sent to my brother. Oh, <laughs> <yay>. <laughs> who was incredibly flattered that I immediately thought of him. <laughs> well, and Tilla May, my grandmother was Tilla May Wolfgang Slayton. Wow. That was her name. And That's she beautiful. was every inch the woman that name implies. Yes. She was friends with pretty boy Floyd. She <gasps> had a gun that he gave her. Oh my God. She, cause the, I didn't know all this until much later, but during the whole like big gangster outlaw era of that time, what they were kind of folk heroes because they would go rob the bank, but then they would burn the notes indicating people's loan amounts and mortgages and, and save people's, you know, farms and things. Oh. So they became full care. So when they needed someplace to hide, people like my grandparents would hide them. Yeah. And they were hyperactive in Oklahoma. Oh my God. Anti-capitalist. I love it. I know, right? <laughs> I'm here for it. You know, you think the untouchables, you think Chicago or, you yeah. know, but no, it was, they were very active in the Oklahoma area. So mm. um, grandma was, yeah. Tilla, Tilla was not to be trifled with. She was a wow. fascinating woman. I love that. I know. I'm like, your family is just so interesting. Seriously, yeah. I am here for it. I, you know what? I think you need to go back and revisit that autobiography. <laughs> well, and again, some of it's apocryphal, some of it's real. Um, yeah. There's a part that, there's, I mean, obviously the parts that I witnessed, but one of the things that happens when you grow up with trauma is you, you're like my brother and I will try to synchronize memory and we have different, you know, Oh yeah, obviously. The same event. Yeah, we yeah. Different ways. I mean, well, it's fascinating. I was gonna say, <laughs> while we're dropping truth bombs, all memory is constructed anyway, kids. So yeah. you get you don't remember anything. <laughs> you don't remember shit. <laughs> well, and we went through that whole you know repressed memory recovery yeah. phase in psychology, which was awful. And oh god, screwed up. And you know, you were adopted by aliens, and you were adopted by aliens. 
Oh, oh yes. I, they're now retired. Me just telling the sons of people that are gone now. A now retired professor in my very college was one of the people who made that happen. And definitely oh. to this day maintains that there was a satanic cult. And I quote, at the mini golf course. <laughs> this is my shocked face. <laughs> it's my favorite detail. And it's become a thing that we all joke about, about, you know, when anything goes wrong, everyone in my program blames it on the cult at the mini golf course. <laughs> and I'm I mean, sorry. I lost my paper. It's the cult of the mini golf it's course. It's the yeah. cult of the mini golf course. Literally. Look, if you're going to have a cult, you might as well have some mini golf. It's fun. Yeah. Right. If I get if I get Hillbilly Hedgewitch and they're cultists, I'm gonna stick them in a mini golf. Just yes, yeah. Thank you. one of those top golf things. There we go. (laughs) I I am going to do my graduation photos in a cult robe at the mini golf course. Just letting you all know right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, please. So uh, with like a dagger. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm excited to get there and then discover there are cults there, and I just joined one. You know. (laughs) I mean, if. We've already decided that Chris is the cult leader. That's and true. now Chris has assigned the rest of us in our evil chat of evil roles in their cult. Yeah. Bronwyn so. is the honey trap of my future <laughs> cults. <laughs> <laughs> we have a minister of propaganda and an enforcer <laughs> as well. Yep. You got to be careful with the dimes you put in this jukebox because my brain will eventually spit out something. Honestly, if more. any of this ends up in your book, I'm going to be delighted. So don't worry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, just for the listeners out there, the evil genius look on David's face is so glorious. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's special. Magic is happening. I'll, I'll put it on the post-it so you guys can't. So obviously the listeners can see, but these are all the books I have to write next. Oh my god. They're all so funny. you're just gonna email us the pre-order dates, right? Well, None of so none of these are sold yet, but the um Rogue Community College and Dark Moon Chalice and To Catch a Geek, those are all sold and yes. have dates. You you are just a non-stop. <laughs> I'm I very well, I had a back catalog. By the time I got an agent and got and got okay. published, I had a whole like back catalog and then I I've got all these like Traders War is an epic fantasy that is 50% done and I just want to finish it. But it, yeah. it's gay Tolkien meets necromancy meets World War One. Um and it just keeps getting shoved for other things. <laughs> so that makes me so happy. Right? Yeah. Oh, I you know who that would appeal to is Charlie and Hara too. And she oh. would die. They said that they really liked the stuff that's set like historical, yeah. but in eras that aren't as typical as like, you know, the Victorian stuff yeah. like that, right? That I would that be would... fun. Yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting book. Um I do have a rom-com coming out. It's <gasps> yeah. called To Catch a Geek. Um, it's from Crazy Maple Studios, and it's a grumpy sunshine. Oh, so. yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about this on the episode about your books, but yours is an insta-buy. As soon as your books come out, yeah. they're in my hands. Uh, yeah, I was almost late to work because I was reading your book the day it came out. So. I was listening to the audiobook at work <laughs> and, and again i say as a therapist i can't do that i mean fair but i just think it helps my data analysis <laughs> sure it I'm does big feelings <laughs> i'm just saying as a therapist my clients mind when i'm reading while they're in such <laughs> i think the magic helps our drinking water quality is all i'm saying <laughs> have you watched resident alien i have 
love. That mm-hmm. show is fun. That's a blast. You really should see it, Bronwyn. But okay. There's the scene very, I think just in the last two episodes of this last season, he's you know, he he's acting as a therapist for the mayor and he's just doodling while the mayor is talking yeah. about stuff. It's just, <laughs> so cute. Oh, so real. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Bronwyn, do you have any idea what question we're on? It would really... Oh, I vaguely do, actually, yes. <laughs> I was looking at it and I was like, what did we, I just work here. <laughs> How did we get here? Uh, who am I? What am I doing here? <laughs> I'm in my house. I live here. <laughs> I feel like I can say the same, but I'm not a hundred percent. Well, you have to go through the village. You have to have the intent yeah. to pass through. Right. Right. This is right. True. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think we've talked a little bit about your inspirations, um, about writing and and for this series specifically but um, in terms of reading what's your favorite thing to read and do you have any recommendations for us I could go on for three days straight with recommendations um, okay so you're going to need to write that list okay. and we will include <laughs> well, it in the show notes I'll it again. Um, so <laughs> please, I, please. I have to give some love I already mentioned Katie Edwards the tarot sequence mm-hmm. he he wrote as far as I know, the first traditionally published urban fantasy with a gay character. His book, The Last Son, is fantastic. And that's the first in the series. He blurred me and then I blurbed his third ones, which is this weird sort of like incestuous thing. But his stuff so blurbing. Good. Yeah, it's um it's like it's like a gay action movie. Like it's very cool. It's it's more action-y than my stuff. Um Ooh, it does know. it does start with a recount of a pretty brutal sexual assault. Just to warn you, as a trigger warning, that's in the first chapter of The Last Son, and it's a big factor in the main character's motivations and actions, but really good stuff. And his magic is very cool and Mm. different. Also a little bit tarot-based, but so different than my stuff. Um, And I'm kind of shouting out to people who I just admire, and and what happened is is I, like, love them, and then we asked for blurbs, and they gave them. So there's a little bit of, like, you know, David fanboying going on. I love that. David Mack, who is primarily known for his star trek novels also wrote a great urban fantasy series kind of like what i was just mentioning with alternate history called the iron codex he has three of those and um they're world war ii so basically you know if we sent wizards and sorcerers against the nazis Mm. cool stuff there he was kind enough to blurb debbie turid so really really great guy very generous see who else is on on my love list right now i got to be on a bookstore event with sean david hutchinson and if you oh, like yes. sean is so it was so kind of him to blurb debbie Druid. but he does this he does this amazing thing where he blends like high concept hook with very human lgbtq issues mm-hmm. And weaves that into a wonderful YA narrative in a way that almost nobody else I know does. So anything by Sean David Hutchinson. I really liked his first book, The Five Stages of Andrew Brawley, which you have to read because it has a graphic novel component woven in, (gasps) which I knew that would trigger both of you well. Yeah. Um, My friend, Kale Dietrich, who again, blurbed us on White Trash Warlock. Super great I love him. He, again, he does high concept with, the thing about Kale's stuff is I've never read anybody who captures teenage want mm. the way he does. Like that whole walking by the track field and the boy jogs by without a shirt and that just all the feelings you mm. have as a queer kid and all Kale just gets that so well. 
Um, try the friend scheme. It's two boys from rival gangster families falling in love. Oh my God. Behind their family's back. It's very kind of Romeo and Julian, but it's much darker than that in some ways. He's he's got a horror book coming out, The Pledge. Um, He wrote that boy band book, If This Gets Out, with Sofia Gonzalez. And her stuff's really good too. Yeah. Um, I really like her stuff from a YA perspective. She talks a lot about friendships. Mm -hmm. I warned you. The book Keep, that please. nobody, the book that nobody knows about and everybody should know about is my friend Helen Corcoran's *The Queen of Coin and Whispers*. Ooh. If you're an audio person, which I know Bronwyn is, I am too. Read by, I forget the actress's name and I forget which role she played, but she played one of the queens in the Narnia movies. <gasps> it's a sapphic YA <gasps> low magic fantasy about a new queen falling in love for her female spy master oh while dealing with all the political difficulties of a broken kingdom and trying to save it from bankruptcy and invasion oh my god how has that not hit our list already it it came out in ireland and it didn't have a big u.s like drop so people in the u.s don't know about it as much but it is available in the u.s and it's on audible and all of our audio sites through our audio distributor distributor it's got a companion book the Daughter of Winter and Twilight, which will de- deal more with um, bisexuality in the characters mm-hmm. and a little more magic in the, as the goddesses return. Um, that's coming out next year. So catch Queen of Coin and Whispers now so that you can be caught up. Now, if, yeah. you, need, if you need your sapphic fantasy romance or you want sapphic fantasy sci-fi or sapphic sci-fi romance mm-hmm. barbara ann wright she writes for bold stroke books it's a small publisher that only deals with lgbtq titles mm. they've been around forever barbara has about 14 books by now she's a close friend so full disclosure her latest series the sisters of sarah's the knight in the nightingale mm. got um it won a goldie so she's to start with the pyramid waltz by day She's the rakish princess who's kissing every girl in the kingdom, but by <laughs> night she's Batwoman and is protecting the crown from threats. Dear um, Lord, what? That sounds yeah. amazing. <laughs> Again, these are things that went, I'll rant about that in a moment. Yeah. Um, they're not available on audio, but they are available on Kindle and they're available on paperback from Bold Strip Books and Barbara's a good friend. So, um, and she's, she made me an action figure for Dark Moon Jealousy, which is the kindest thing ever. Um, <laughs> My, my, when people like, we need diverse books. And I get that because what they were saying is there needs to be more visibility. But when it came yeah. to LB, LGBTQ stuff, um, a lot of these presses like Bolstrook were already doing that work. People just yeah. didn't know about them. They just don't yeah. have the big five like presence. Yeah. So there's definitely like, hello, we're out there. Um, anyway, Barbara Ann Wright, if you need skirt chasing princesses or you need, um, you know, uh lesbians with the power of the gods fighting it out dueling it out for control of a planet which we do i mean yeah we do (laughs) (laughs) she's got a book called coils which is a comedic sapphic medusa story oh my god yeah barbara stuff is fun that's amazing (sighs) oh yep okay well that was glorious thank (laughs) you right I only stopped to take a breath. I'm kidding. I, I could, I will stop there, but I, I, I mean, my Honest, handwriting stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, <laughs> you know, if you do want to tweet us a list, we will share it with our listeners because that is already incredible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was amazing. Oh my Lord. Oh, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and clearly from your comfort here and ease here, and also from your website, which I looked at and is great, um, <laughs> you do a lot of uh, speaking and are quite comfortable with that, leading writing seminars and things like that. Is there a piece of advice you can give our listeners that you wish you'd had sort of earlier in your career or uh, either for writing or public speaking? Well, they kind of go together, I think, is, is a good answer. So one of the things I didn't understand about trying to write, so I thought to write a book, I need to sit, sit at home and play with my imaginary friends, which I did. But the trick is, is that when you, if you want to become a writer, if you want to become an author, you have to ask yourself what you want. Start there. And it's okay to dream big. That's something I'm still working on because, you know, my background, any kind of, you know, just work at Sonic the rest of your life. The Jesus is coming back and the rapture is going to happen. Yeah. That's a whole other therapy session. But- <laughs> We're here for you. This is a safe space. Figure (laughs) figure out what you want, right? For some people, and I asked that question and some people, I just want to hold my book in my hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with self-publishing, printing on demand, having a copy there, or I just want a few copies to give to friends and family. Okay. And maybe you go to, you know, like something like Mm -hmm. border.com. It depends on what you want and figure that out first right? Because the level of what you're going to need to do to get there, like I mentor a few younger writers and a few newer writers and they're, well, well, I have to do public speaking. Well, what do you want? Mm-hmm. I want to be the gay Tolkien. I want to be like the gay fantasy author. I want to be the guy that 50 years from now, people go back when they say, let's mm-hmm. look at, you know, fiction in the 21st century. Let's look at his stuff or the 22nd century or whatever. I don't remember what we're in. I forget. <laughs> Bad historian. Um, what even is that. time? Stupid time travel. Anyway, I, <laughs> it's the cider, y'all. Um, <laughs> time traveling cider. <laughs> I told you I don't drink. Anyway, um, but the point is, you know, know what you want to be, you know, and from there, you're going to, you are going to have different levels of work or engagement. I am a very introverted person. You wouldn't know that from this podcast. You wouldn't know that from seeing me speak to community colleges or high school classes or riding weeks and things. But that means I had to develop that skill. I had to mm-hmm. develop a way to talk about my books, to be able to pitch them, to be able to go to conferences, look at editors and agents in the eye, to be able to talk to them about my work, to be able to give interviews like this, or, or to be able to do different things. And that was a skill I had to develop. Figure out what your weak spots are and work on them. That's true for both your writing craft and for the presence you need in order to be an author professionally. I'm not a full-time author yet. I'm working hard on it probably about five years away. It's a tough road and not everyone's going to make it. Also, a lot of people are going to tell you to quit. The number one thing that will serve you in trying to become an author is persistence. Mm. It trumps everything. Mm -hmm. I had a friend who was a great talented musician, but he would go out on auditions and he would get beat by people he had gone to school with. He'd say, I don't understand. How are they beating me? I went to school with her. She's not as good as I am. She's not as talented. I said, but she practices every day. Mm-hmm. Persistence yeah. is everything in this industry. Mm-hmm. It took me a lot longer than I wanted. I'd rather not be in my forties and published. I'd rather be in my twenties because I'm very gay and very tired. <laughs> but I'm relatable. Oh my God. I feel that in my soul. <laughs> Literally have the t-shirt. Um, yes. But um, that persistence is paying off for me. And I'm lucky that I've, built the right contacts and i found the most amazing readers i have an incredibly supportive publisher i have an incredible agent 
these are all things that, you know, it took time and persistence is what got me there. And I took so many rejections and so much, you know, it was the right time. Dark Moon Shallow Sea is a book I wrote so long ago, had to completely rewrite as I got better, had to work up to, had to have a sales record in urban fantasy before somebody would buy an epic fantasy. Yeah. It took time. Mm-hmm. Um, so persistence, persistence, persistence. That's the main thing. Just never mm. give up. Yeah. Hmm. That is that wisdom that you have added to Adam there, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that boy. <sighs> My poor broken boy. No, we love him. <laughs> Seriously. So do you have a favorite habit or something that brings you comfort, like your favorite game or book trope or genre that you read that finds you in a calming place? I... This is going to sound kind of weird, but I get it from my grandmother, Dice, who taught me so much. And one of that is I will make a cup of coffee and I will sit. It's funny because both my grandmothers were coffee people and my grandmother Slayton, who was much more likely to, if I needed like the tough love, I went to grandma Slayton. Mm -hmm. If I needed the like comfort, I went to grandma Dice. Um, I'm very blessed that I had them both. That's awesome. But I make a cup of coffee and I will sit and try to spend some time. I, it also slow, it puts my brain and body into the same speed level. Yeah. So I can, I can self-regulate with a little caffeine sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if I need to, if I get stuck and I need to kind of move between things, a video game like Skyrim, something I know hmm. fairly well, like my best writing days are when I wake up early on a Saturday, I make a pot of coffee I fire up the PC, I write for an hour or two when my brain's like, I'm done with this, shift over to video game, game for an hour, make sure it's only an hour, otherwise I'll spend the whole day, (laughs) give it back. And before I know it, 12 hours have gone and I've written five to 6,000 good words. That's awesome. Amazing. Okay. I have to ask, how do you take your coffee? Um, With a lot of cream. I used to, I use almond milk these days because I've been trying to be much more conscious about my diet and Mm. it's working. So, um, but I just unsweetened almond milk and I drink it usually about a beige color and I don't put any sweetener. When I was in high school and teens, it was like tons of sugar, tons of creamer, you know, and now it's just, uh, I managed to wean myself off the sweet. Mm. I just can't drink it black. My first love was like piping hot black and I just never managed to get to black coffee. (laughs) I love black coffee yeah I you too drink a giant mason gar- jar of black coffee every day but it has to be cold oh. good and cold and cold brew if i can get it God, that boy <laughs> that that gorgeous ridiculous boy he would just make a pot of coffee and just scald his esophagus and i just love him. <laughs> i don't understand asbestos mouth people my <laughs> i have so many friends who are just like i'm gonna put it back in the microwave i'm gonna make it even hotter i'm like I need it cold. I learned how to drink coffee when I was in Japan, actually. We talked about it. it. My Aunt Yumi would make a pot of coffee and then she'd pour herself a cup and then she'd get distracted and it would be somewhere and she'd pour herself another cup and she'd get distracted and she'd leave it somewhere and then she'd come across the first one and she'd drink it. And so that was like, that was how we got to the coffee was, it would always be cold by the time you got to it. So... <laughs> So I was getting ready to say that ADHD runs in the family. And then I literally was like, no, this is the, the married inside of the family. You've already said that tonight. I've been brewing it lately. So when I make the coffee and I, before I hit the button, I'll put a few cinnamon sticks in the pot for it to oh, brew yes. into. 
So oh. it steeps the cinnamon and that's yep. been giving me that nice ball like I oh, yes. really oh, love cinnamon in the coffee. That's yeah. a great touch. That's such oh. a nice thing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, the thing that's been getting me, I, I generally drink it black. I just on um, special occasions will get like flavored or whatever coffee. Uh, for some reason, the same week I've been writing applications, Dunkin' Donuts has decided to make a peanut butter coffee that is extraordinary. And I may have quite guiltily door dashed myself that coffee four times this week to get through applications. You applications are a lot. I think yep. you deserve it. I yep. was like, it's just down the street. But if I leave my house, that's like a whole hour of productivity gone because yeah, I no, have to no. be when zero I'm, judgment. When I'm under deadline, I will get Uber Eats to. Yeah. Yep. Starbucks or whatever. Cause yep. just, well, I've switched to caribou because you know, unions, but yes, uh, caribou yep. is so good too. It, it is way better than Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. I love uh, it. Yep. I know we could talk coffee. We could do coffee talk for ages. <laughs> <laughs> also. Okay. And I have to, you've touched on this a few times. I'm going off script a little bit, but Please. I really really want to talk a little bit about the synesthete aspects of your books yeah. and you talked a little bit about it when you were talking about the music and the emotions and whatever and things making you feel like blue and can we get into that a little bit like I sure. love that um I didn't realize that I had synesthesia until I started writing White Trash Warlock and got a therapist so when I um I I've been in off I've been in therapy off and on my entire life because when I I I have a dissociative disorder, which means I will sometimes disconnect. It's not, mm-hmm. I'm very far away from my family and the trauma that brought it out of me when I was young. But when I was young, I had a very childhood traumatic experience. I was mauled by a dog and Ooh. my face was torn off. <laughs> um, uh, you can barely tell like they're on camera, but I still have scars running yeah. through. Um, wow. You're mostly gone now because of a lifetime of, you know, lotion and vitamin mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Um, and at that point I had a, my first really strong disassociative moment, which was, Mm. I was, our family dog wanted to eat the kitten and I had the kitten and I clutched it to my chest and the dog jumped on me to get to the kitten and was biting into me. The mama cat wanted to protect the kitten. So she jumped in and you remember those old cartoons where the dog and the cat would fight and make a whirlwind. Mm. Imagine a six-year-old at the center of that covered in blood. Oh, so yeah. it just, you know, I was shredded. I have scars all over my body still from it. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember standing there watching as I ran away. Yeah. Um, they thought I'd lost my eye because my face was so torn up that they couldn't see my eye. Um, my mom, I was, I was upset because I had just gotten new clothes, which is rare for us. And mm-hmm. I was, knew my mom would be upset. They were bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, she put a towel on my face and they drove me to the hospital in Guthrie, which is a ways away. But again, they, I got all kinds of stitches, spent the summer, you know, as the bandage boy and mummy boy. But I distinctly remember watching myself run away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first time that I basically disassociated, which made me a very kind of weird ghost kid. And then what happened was, is anytime I got deeply upset or whatever, I would just blank out. Mm-hmm. My parents and grandparents loved, loved it because it meant I was a very quiet, obedient child because I mm-hmm. wasn't in in so to speak hmm. <laughs> i've never really talked about this as much in depth by the way <laughs> so yeah. you know, outside of therapy yeah and then when i was older um and i was dating this guy and or kind of dating i don't know what we were doing and he said uh, i think you need to go to therapy and i said okay so i tried that and i realized yeah i had a lot of stuff to unpack 
And I was lucky that the first therapist I ever met with was a good one and somebody that I could trust and it helped that he was her, she was his therapist. So somebody Mm. I trusted could say this person is going to be okay inside your head. Yeah. And um, I did that until I left Texas. And when I got to Denver, I've had therapy on again and off again. I kind of, sometimes I need it. Like if life is in a bad lull. Mm-hmm. I feel also, that deeply. Also, if it's just like an oil check, sometimes I just need mm-hmm. to, like, yeah. you know. Oh, that's and us I, too. Yeah. Yep. When I started writing White Trash Warlock, I knew that I was going, I wanted to do all that autobiographical stuff and I knew mm-hmm. it was going to be a lot. So I probably a good idea to get some therapy going. Mm-hmm. So I started yeah. working with a bioenergetic therapist. Mm-hmm which helps a lot with disassociation because when you're one of the things I was struggling with in my writing, trying to sell was the the lack of emotional connection. Mm. Since I disassociate, my characters don't have good emotional grounding. Mm. And that meant I needed somebody to kind of help me reconnect the circuitry. Mm -hmm. So I sat down with her for a year and went through, all right, let's talk about anger. Let's talk about feelings you might have toward your father that make you angry. I'm going to hand you a dish towel. And while you're talking about it, I want you to wring that towel. And then I want you to feel where that goes in your body, how you feel it, how you express it. And then I would sit there and stop for a minute and take notes. And then I basically created character emotional sheets for all the characters of this is anger. This is fear. This, you know, the five big emotions and then some of the more subtle ones. And that's how I figured out that I tend to process emotion through color Mm. mostly inside myself which led me to figure out that yeah I do kind of have some synesthesia I didn't understand that I didn't I never diagnosed it because I just thought that's how everybody processed feeling right yeah yeah that's so interesting that's fascinating I I had I've had one disassociative event in my life and it was not as traumatic I mean it was traumatic for me but not as traumatic as that there are no comparing traumas yeah Yeah. i don't believe in comparative no exactly but i that it it, i was older and it was scary enough so i can't imagine what that was like as a six-year-old so yeah i uh yeah (laughs) so you can see how so how adam sees the world with the spirit realm and the stuff yeah high school and becoming too drawn into the spirit realm it's very easy for me to take my kind of disassociative experiences and use that as inspiration for the way that he was getting lost in high school getting lost in his sight that's adam disassociating yeah Um, that's also making me think about why that connects so strongly for me (laughs) i was thinking the same thing Wow. Have people like, are you stoned? I'm like, no, I'm just because I was just disconnected. Yeah. So people yeah. would think I was stoned or, you yeah. know, just tuned out. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You definitely have succeeded in conveying these beautiful ideas of mental health through magic in a way that is just incredible. I've never seen the like of it. No, honestly. Full disclosure, in- I'm all this tonight with you and then a little bit before this um on an event with john david hutchinson's the first mm-hmm. time i've talked about the mental health side of, yeah. of my work and of my life because i don't talk about it too publicly there's a lot of the last thing i ever wanted to do is be performative about it mm-hmm. at the same time i think it's important that we discuss more and more because again there's that really important part in debbie druid where vic yeah. says yeah. you need to go to therapy and adam's like you know i think you're right yes <laughs> you might have hit on something yeah <laughs> 
Well, as you know, since you've listened, we talk about our mental health every episode. So this is a safe place to do that for sure. Yeah. Well, I was so excited for both of you to read Druid. So when I listened to your episode on the series, you both read Trickster, but you hadn't read Druid yet. Yes. And there was a point when you're like, this boy needs, Vic needs to tell him to go to therapy. Like, oh, just hang in there. I know. <laughs> it's in the can. It's coming. No, Ryan. <laughs> But he also uh, knows he has to work up because of Adam's experience yeah. with Liberty House. He knows he has to work up gently because Adam like, and I didn't have the Liberty House experience. I want to be very clear mm-hmm. about that. While a lot of Adam's experiences are my experiences, mm-hmm. my, my family never institutionalized me. They did. However, my mother would send us to things like religious counseling. So she would give us like, the preacher or the preacher. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> oh no, which has a whole other like level. Yeah. Sorry, that sound was fully involuntary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so so that was that's kind of where like yeah. you know I translated. Yeah. Oh yeah, yep, yep. We also have discussed religious trauma on this show a few times. <laughs> my my mom definitely uh, went through that mm. period of yeah. I mean, we don't, I didn't put much of it in the book because I didn't want to talk about it. And, and maybe at some point, if I ever get back to an, a true autobiographical piece, mm. it's one thing Sean David Hutchinson did that is so mm. amazing as he wrote Brayface. He wrote a true autobiography talking about his, his suicide attempt, talking about his life in such a real raw way that just blows me away that somebody could, you know, that, yeah. he, put, that he could put that book out there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a level of vulnerability that is actually really impressive. I agree. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, okay, well, oh. to lighten this up. Definitely brought the timbre down a little bit, didn't I? <laughs> no, no. We, we do this. No. We get there. We and get there every episode. We go right back to thirst. Yeah, so that's our feelings. <laughs> exactly. We're feeling our feelings. Um, do you have a fictional crush? <laughs> Who is it and has it changed over the years? I have to admit, when I first started writing Vic, I, I wrote Vic as a very much like a, you know, sort of, a, so Vic was definitely kind of a fictional crush. Um, yes. This is very important that you understand the distinction. Okay. I have a severe crush on Poe Dameron. Yes. I do not have a severe crush on Oscar Isaac. Okay. <laughs> People are always sending me like sexy Oscar Isaac smolder photos. I'm like, nope, nope, it's not about Oscar. It's about Poe. At least until we found out he was a drug dealer. That was still really, I'm still really annoyed about that. But, yeah, um, that movie didn't happen. <laughs> Sorry, I don't accept it. <laughs> still, I would still be so thrilled if somebody came back and said, let's do a, a Finn Poe series about, oh. you know, space husbands. Did you, did you read Bonds of Brass? I have not yet because okay. one of these post-its <gasps> is my space opera. And I'm waiting to, I don't read something until the book is finished because yeah, it's yeah. Um, but I do, I do not use, I use it to a small degree in my rom-com because one of the guys is writing it and what he's writing is basically my space opera. So um, I will read Bonds of Brass when I finish my yes. space opera. Oh, totally fair. I just want to make sure it was on your radar because. It is total. I started it and went, oh, I better put this away. Yeah. Because <laughs> Fen Poe fan fiction published, you know. I'm sorry though. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on the meta of characters of yours writing another book you're writing that yeah that's amazing well, that's how rainbow rowell got i know yeah the simon snow series because she wrote it was in fangirl she yes. was, it was the fan fiction she was yep. writing love that I, so much uh, <laughs> yeah so that's 
So to cat to catch a geek is my rom com. Yes. Should be out next year. I don't know. They haven't given me the date yet, but it's um the Grumpy Sunshine, mm-hmm. and it has all my favorite tropes of. And I couldn't since I couldn't use magic and fantasy. There's a point where the boys are playing an online game and they're playing against each other, but they don't know it's each other. Uh-huh. It's got that whole like hidden. Oh, I love that. that. Oh my god. I so they're kind of flirting and that. fighting. So that's uh, a fun one. But my fiction, my fictional cross is my yes. number one fictional cross is Poe Dameron because he's heroic. Mm-hmm. He's age appropriate. Um, <laughs> I just like that Poe again. He's a good guy, and that's yeah. that's the thing I really loved about until the. I didn't need a drug dealer past with Poe because he's to me is like the next incarnation of Leia. He's the good person who always does the yeah. right thing. Yeah. Leia's never tempted by the dark side, not once in her no. existence. She's like, you boys are weak. Um, <laughs> yep, exactly. That's what I like about Poe is Poe's the good guy. And yes, he's mm-hmm. brash and he makes mistakes. I like that he learns. Yeah. But I yeah, I always I I love that whole thing of, you know, in The Force Awakens, don't let these thugs intimidate you. Yeah. You know, and that. No, yeah. I feel that deeply. Mm. That's awesome. That is really cool. So, but, sorry, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> I was I was going to move on. So, if you want to ask one more thing on that, I know I was just I I was going to comment on it's one of my favorite parts of how they describe Adam, like all the different characters describe mm. Adam as someone who does the right thing when no one is looking. I like that too. Just, that's such a nice thing to be able to say about somebody. I hope that at some point in my life, somebody gets to say that about me. Like well, that, that, would that, be... is, that is true, Broadman. That is true. Oh, about well, you. thank you. I mean, <laughs> that's I'm sorry incredible. I haven't said it before, but I just, it is true. With you're not luring people into the cult. Right. With, with I your mean, you didn't say all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a positive call. It's very positive. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I don't steal anyone's money. No. I, I like to think our cult like saves people from other culty behavior. Yes. Like, you want to get real committed to something, but don't want it to be super alt-right and like racist. Come to our cult. Exactly. <laughs> this, you know, I'm thinking of some of the like left-wingy cults that I've I mean, <laughs> fair enough. Oh, <laughs> like I'm not saying it's a great non-toxic environment. Let's be honest. It's a cult, but <laughs> I would like to think we try to provide, I, I'm talking like we actually have this cult now. <laughs> we try to provide an alternative. I, Do I have to sign an NDA? That's the question. Before I go yet. to the golf retreat. Did you say not yet? <laughs> I'm still going for that uh, author's note from the Hunt comic. <laughs> the, he got so thirsty, he fell into critical thinking. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's our, that is our plan. It's That's like, the plan. It's like a, like a mega cult we're actually pulling them in and teaching them how to avoid cults and then sending them back out but we have to make them think we're a cult first so you know that's (laughs) it's extremely meta that's the one thing about having been like sent into deep evangelical christianity oh i know i just anytime people like we're all doing this like no no (laughs) this this joke is birthed out of our collective religious trauma and if we don't joke about it then we will have to cry about it so instead we're we're all watching this tv show i'm like nope (laughs) (laughs) i'm such a noper i'll just be like i love that no i'm not following the group i'm gonna go that way (laughs) fair enough fair enough see the cult's not for you it's okay you're already good (laughs) yep oh god (laughs) um 
Yeah. Instead of the inside man, you're the outside man. <laughs> I love that. That's good. <laughs> so do you, you have a preference, totally off the topic. Do you have a preference, DC, EU, or MCU? Or do you even watch superhero movies? Um, Movie-wise, MCU all the way. I just feel like the DCU just doesn't, I, don't, I feel like it hasn't found its footing. It obviously has its bright spots. I loved the Wonder Woman movies. Yes, I liked the second one. Oh. Um, and that's okay if you didn't, but I, I thought it was a great comic book movie. I thought it was very cartoony. It was very mm-hmm. comic booky. I love the message. And um, I just thought I, was... I actually am one of the people that liked it. I just, there are parts of it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> that, I would have made some different choices, but as a writer, you're, all, you're always yeah. like, okay, I would tweak that. Um, but uh, the first one is a great example of the hero's journey. Um, yeah. Gail Carragher has a fantastic breakdown in her book, The Heroine's Journey, how Wonder Woman is a hero following the Joseph Campbell cycle yes. versus the heroine's journey. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Fantastic analysis. The, the whole, when I need, remember I said, I'll use things to make my emotions hit a certain way so I can write it. Yeah. The trench scene. When she yes. Glorious. It's so the good. X, the X-Wings on the water and the Force Awakens, the Wonder Woman climbing mm-hmm. out of that trench. When I need to feel that swell of yep. hope and heroism, those are the scenes I watch. Amazing. Anyway, so mostly the MCU, just because I love tracing it. I'm also um such a big fan of Alan Heinberg's run on the Young Avengers, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's all building up slowly. I've got a weird bit of a burnout with the mcu to a degree yeah i, I, I saw the trailer that. for quantumania and i'm a little less like eh, i don't know if i care i didn't watch the eternals because i just have a little bit of a burnout um mm-hmm. I'm, so i'm kind of taking a break but i did love the werewolf by night special <gasps> that was great right it was great it was oh my god it was, comic it was so weird yeah. i, I loved, loved it i've loved all the tv shows i didn't yeah, watch yes. what if because i don't like what ifs usually um i don't like what if had some high points but it uh, had some low ones as well so I don't like things that didn't happen. I don't like dream sequences or we changed the past. It's all erased. Yeah. But, I um, want an AU. I w- I'm going to go read a fan fiction where the AU is everyone's game. Give me a coffee shop. With- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the alternate reality is that as that Captain America and Bucky kiss. That's the alternate reality yeah. I want. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I got to admit, I got a little bit of the Steve and Bucky thing in the unwritten fantasy with the world war one thing there's a little bit of that going on it's 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 subtitled in my brain is the prince and the sniper oh, you're killing me i'm gonna i'm gonna be feral just you know what's, what's gonna make what will really what'll really piss you off is it's 50 percent finished not just uh. like drafted finished i have drafted and polished oh that God. half because every time i pick it back up i have to start over so that i know what i'm doing so that first half is not just done it is done <sighs> And then the other half is just blank. <laughs> ah! oh. oh, you're right. That makes my noodle. Yeah. Sorry. The space <laughs> opera is even, we almost sold the space opera a couple of years ago. It's a little further along, but no one's buying space opera right now. And then um, the thriller is what my agent wants next. So that's why it's in bold. So she gets I that do next. love me a thriller. Yeah, that is why. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's dark and twisty and set here in Denver. So. Ooh. Okay, that's exciting. <laughs> Here for it. <laughs> I'll try to make peace. But yeah, you, you've got you got three coming. So hang in there. Dark yeah. and shallow sea. Because yep. I can see behind Bronwyn, Dark mm-hmm. Souls. Yep. And it's Dark Souls meets Mistborn. That's, <gasps> that's a good pitch. Oh, I'm here for it. It's literally out Halloween 2023. Because Halloween's a Tuesday next year. Oh, that's so that's exciting. exciting. So that's all good. And it's... <laughs> 
it's super dark and super gay and broken boys and messed up and dead gods and live gods and tutorials and okay it's everything i love it is it is all right i already can tell (laughs) i just yeah i know when we get like once we're a little further from the release of deadbeat druid we're going to have to have another sort of much more spoilery conversation that's a good idea about that deadbeat druid because they're are some things that I need to talk about. Oh my God. <laughs> well, and it's frustrating because I, oh, some of the events in Druid lead right into Rogue Community College. And I yeah. can't talk about RCC oh, because true. Druid only came out a week ago. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Six months from now, I'm like, oh yeah, this is who died. This is who made yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Oh, 100%. Oh, but like, God. as much as we get super spoilery on the show, like, it's usually for stuff that's been out a little while and for things that aren't that are have just been released we try to be a little bit more circumspect so uh give people an opportunity to get on board right yeah but this is our (laughs) set this would be our second episodes i feel like we could drop it now because you could always listen to the first episode if you haven't read the book yet this is a behind the scenes that's happening in front of the scenes we can talk offline (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty but like, dear Lord, oh my God, there's some stuff in Deadbeat Druid that hit me where I live. So <laughs> like in a good way, but oh my God. <laughs> We've talked about this a little bit, David, but I just, I need to have a deep. It was like an emotional drive-by. Just... Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. are an emotional drive-by. That's really true. I'm, I'm going to need well, a poster multiple for that. Ones, <laughs> multiple ones per book though. It like gets you and then it comes back again. <laughs> Well, I've been quoting you both so much about how Argent would fit perfectly in a Fast and Furious movie. So that has become I my love that. And I try to describe her now. That's how I explain her. Yeah, I, I literally see her. Like, I know I did the fan cast and I love that choice within the whole sort of group or whatever. But when I picture her, when I'm listening to the audiobook, I picture her as the blonde from the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, Not yeah. the Charlize, but the, the, the uh, one in the later movies. Yes. It's so hard for me because she's literally in my brain when I mixed her up. She's yep. 50% Mae West, 50% River Song from Doctor Who. <gasps> that's, if you took, if they had like a child, that's our child. <gasps> and then just make her an immortal elf of swords. Yep. That's brilliant. Yep. I, I, I feel a deep connection to River Song, not the least of which because my hair gets bigger the more like like frustrated or crazy I get and so I'm like yes it's full of secrets <laughs> well and I start when I was doing research for this and I was researching Lakeside Amusement Park here in Denver to talk about already I looked at um, Halloween costumes from that era and I came across her Halloween costumes Mae West and I came across her calendar she did which is the Statue of Liberty uh. and she's got this incredible batwing one dress and she's got the spider she's in these amazing just Google image, May West, mm-hmm. Halloween, mm-hmm. and all of that started mixing. And I was flipping through some tarot cards and looking at different Queen of Sword um, portrayals. And then it's like, and I've always really loved no-nonsense women who just mm. have had enough. Yes. <laughs> and that's kind of the River Song component. And yep. so I really wanted to and so basically all that kind of went into the genesis of who Arjun mm. was and just oh. her opening she, she pulls up stops in a car she jumps out she's wearing a killer dress and she's you know mm. mm-hmm. basically 
extraordinary adam yeah. King his pants. So. yeah i love how much fear she just invokes in everyone she sees just by wanting <laughs> to do so speaking of aspirational <laughs> <laughs> yep (laughs) so good oh lord i'm uh, yeah i may have brought a little bit of that energy to this week i'm not gonna lie (laughs) that's a good thing if you need it i mean seriously it should be there to tap into she's arjun's tough because she's one of those characters you have to use her in the right dose if she Mm -hmm. if i let her she'd take over the whole book and it would just be the arjun show yeah and that's i mean i'd read that the you know. problem is she's too she's too powerful. You can't. Yeah. She's a catalyst character, so she's she's a little yeah. too godlike. She has to be used in the right dose. Yeah. So that's why she's not a main um, a main player in anything because yeah. it would just be the Argent show. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I do really love, and we talked about this a little bit earlier when you mentioned it, but I I do really love the fact that Adam is underpowered as mm-hmm. opposed to overpowered. Yeah, I think that's too. a really interesting approach for a character because it requires him to really think about how he's going to solve his problems which i i think is a fascinating um it's it's a great journey right it's a great journey for the for this character but it's also a great journey for the reader uh because you can be there for that process and you can sort of take part in that process and you know like i just i really enjoy Mm -hmm. that i'm a problem solver my own self and like i i like that he has to think okay in this world, this is the approach I have to take. In this particular situation, this is the sort of um, style I have to kind of model my behavior and conversation around. And But whereas, you know, in this situation, I can be a little bit sassier if I want to, because it's not going to have the same kind of consequences. And, you know, like yeah. he's constantly doing that kind of pro-conning. And, and I, I think that's fascinating. Absolutely. I think it's also funny too because he doesn't often think he doesn't he's kind of locked into the way he understands it from his lessons mm-hmm. from Karak whereas mm-hmm. Vic from the minute he shows up he's just sassing everyone because he doesn't have the training <laughs> boundaries mm-hmm. whereas yeah. Adam was taught like you know you will be incinerated be careful yeah um, <laughs> he makes a certain amount of that and I, I love I especially want to mention something that you brought up on your episode about the books both of you which was how Adam's gayness is different Mm-hmm. or maybe not different, but how his relationship to his gayness is not the same as if he'd been raised in the city, right? Or mm-hmm. if he's not, when, you know, when Argent first shows up and she's like, what do you think about my dress? He's like, I don't know. I'm not a drag queen. I'm not a, I'm not in a women's fashion. I'm a dude. Yeah. And I like that you understood that Adam's relationship to being gay isn't homophobic, but it is mm-hmm. different. He yeah. isn't, he doesn't, you know, he, he would never see himself wanting to wear drag because that's not how he perceives his gayness. Mm-hmm. I, and I use the word gay as opposed to queer because Adam is very cis and very much like I'm very cis. Um, but I really like that you caught on that. Somebody who has, and I, you know, we've all known those gay guys who are like, I come from this rural background yeah. and I, therefore I don't, um, you know, I present as very heteronormative or yeah. And sometimes that's very forced. And sometimes that's just, I don't see a need to be different than that. You know? yeah. 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 And I, I especially like that portrayal because it does, because being gay, being queer, being whatever, it isn't, and it shouldn't, like, obviously it's part of identity. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't mean to lessen that in any way by any stretch of the imagination, but 
it's not the only aspect mm -hmm. of identity. It's not a monolith. Exactly. And yeah. there are other aspects that can absolutely have even more impactful um, shaping of your character or of the presentation mm -hmm. of that character, or, you know, as you grow. And, and so it's just another part of who we are, right? Like it's mm -hmm. not. I would love it to be like my eye. I don't think about my eye color right? 15 times a day. And I don't, and I, I say this all the time. I don't wake up in the morning. I put on my gay pants and I go to my gay job. Um, <laughs> I just, that's not me. And it's not. And if you took, if I took being gay out of the equation, I still, you know, people say, what are you? I say, I'm a writer. Like that's the first thing I say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm from Oklahoma. Being gay is usually on page two. Um, it's definitely an important part of who I am because it has shaped so much of my experiences and so much of my life, but I, I don't like, you know, and that's, it'd be very, it's it'd be very interesting when you read Dark Moon Shallow Sea, which is set in an entirely original world yeah. where there is no homophobia, there is yes. no sexism, there is no racism. Mm -hmm. And so without those isms and obias, <laughs> and <laughs> you get a very different take. And that's, that's where Katie Edwards, The Last Son, mm really shines is Rune's homosexuality is just no one yeah. no one would ever even think about it like no one cares that he's homosexual it just yeah. I say homosexual because they, they don't even have gay as, as a label they don't need it yeah their society is just not a thing yeah the um I don't know if you've read this one but Arcady Martin's the memory called empire is very similar as well in that. That. Oh, so good one of my favorite books of all time uh, but absolutely that, you know, there's, it is a book about culture, but the culture that it's exploring is colonization and things like that. But everyone is just, you know, you, 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 you sleep with this person, you sleep with that person. We don't really care. It's not labeled. It is just, everyone just does what they do. It's very interesting. God, wouldn't that be wonderful? I remember that from your book, Bingo. Oh, hey. Yes. <laughs> You are like my most devoted Twitter follower at this point, and it is <laughs> sending me joy. Just that saying. <laughs> I was just obsessing about your little fundraiser. I had to make sure it hit the so, refresh. Yeah. Seriously, you are the sweetest. I know really you say awesome. Adam is nicer than you, but I don't think that's true. I, uh, evidence not found at this point. Mm -hmm. You really are the sweet. I, I cried when I realized that you donated to it. I'm not going to lie. That made me so happy. Can confirm. <laughs> Brown and solid over snap. I was crying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, but to your point, though, I think the reason why that stood out so profoundly to me is because I work with the queer community in a rural area. So that is a part of the consideration all the time is it's not like when I was working in Baltimore, you know, like it's very different how people experience their queerness here than there. And I think that's very important. I have never seen it depicted in a book other than this one. Exactly. Well, nobody talks about rural. We don't, we have urban mm -hmm. fantasy, but we don't have rural fantasy. We right. don't talk about, and that's the number one thing I get in emails is thank you for writing a book about people like us. And sometimes they, they're talking about the queer aspect of it. And sometimes they're talking about the rural aspect and sometimes yeah. they talk about both, mm -hmm. but it's so nice to have somebody feel seen and yeah. like, thank you. Like they, and people can tell because of, it is my experience. I mean, mm -hmm. when I say it's own, like, my ex said, do you really want to call it white trash warlock? I said, it's own voices, not yeah. just from the gay part, but yeah, I grew up in that trailer. I was called white trash. I had to work mm -hmm. through 
the connotations of class and mm -hmm. food insecurity and things that where people said you're white trash because you're living in a trailer and the response is no I'm not because my family works really hard yeah mm -hmm. I and, love that distinction I love that Vic made that distinction mm -hmm. and Adam needed to hear it because yeah. he had internalized it from Bobby mm -hmm. right Bobby had brought it in um but I I love getting those emails. I love having somebody say, thank you for seeing us. Thank you for mm -hmm. having, you know, for one of us. Again, I'm a high school dropout, mm -hmm. just like Adam. Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not, you know, I, I like to say I'm the world's most overeducated high school dropout now because <laughs> I have two BAs and a master's. And, but you know, I love that for you. It's a great look, by the way. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that I can go talk to a community college and be like, I have a GED and, you know, yeah. if I can publish books traditionally, so can you. So yeah. Well, and and honestly, and I mean, I, I'm aware of how naive this is about to sound. So, you know, full disclosure, but I don't understand the kind of negative connotations associated with that. Because to me, when I hear that, all I think is, Jesus Christ, somebody worked really hard against a lot of, right. of you know, obstacles and like, like, that's because you're Canadian. I was getting ready to say oh. it. I'm glad you jumped in first. I was going to be America, like, In oh, America, wow. <laughs> America, we have the idea of the American dream. Yeah. Oh, God. We, okay. Yeah, pretend, right. Yeah. Brace yourself. Buckle in, Brownwood. Yeah, we, we like to pretend that's for everyone, but the truth is it's not. Mm -mm. I mean, think about, think about our presidents, our leaders. Think about mm -hmm. who, we ven who we venerate and who mm -hmm. we glorify. Mm -hmm. We glorify people who are rich. We glorify people who have money. We glorify people who have a lot of privilege. And then we, Jimmy Carter is a great example. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Carter was a humble Christian man. Yes, he had some policy failings. I, but at the same time, this idea that someone could be a better Christian than Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter taught Sunday school every Sunday for how many years? Mm -hmm. And he's still what? in his late nineties and still works for habitat for humanity, building houses yeah. for people constantly. I don't, but he's still, he's still hated and reviled. But mm -hmm. if somebody with a lot of money were to run or come in with some charisma, it's, it's kind of like that thing with serial killers, right? The prettier they are, the more people they can murder and get away with it. Yep. Yeah. Um, America's a lot is that with money. We, we love mm -hmm. the myth of the person who mm -hmm. are self-made Jeff Bezos, yeah. Elon Musk. These aren't self-made people. No. They started with a lot of money, a lot of handouts. I'll, yeah. I'll never forget the 2004 election when Mitt Romney said, was it 2004? I don't even remember what year it was. I'm sorry. When Mitt Romney said, just go to your parents and ask them for $10,000 to start a business. Yeah, Jesus. I remember that. Oh my as Lord. If, as just any, and then, or then, you know, what, what sank Romney in that campaign? His wife mm -hmm. going on the view and saying, we really struggled. Mitt didn't have a very large stock portfolio when we were in college. <laughs> and says that without any self-awareness oh god yeah you went to college you got to go to college and you had a stock portfolio to help you pay for living yeah Lord. My gosh, okay. he, he, i mean just that clueless level of statement yeah. like most of us mm -hmm. i mean my like i can't did you ever did you watch dairy girls Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Wonderful. Amazing show. There's a scene where they take the school trip is to Paris and the, the Northern Irish girls want to go. And she's like, and the one girl's like, just ask your parents to give you some money from your trust fund. Um, 
And so the girl goes home and says, like, Mom, can I have some money for my trust fund? And the mom just loses her mind. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that's a trust fund. Like, and that that's very much like what my experience yeah. had been like, right? Yeah. It took me a long time to realize we didn't, we we knew we were poor because money was always a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You don't you don't waste food. I don't care if you don't like it, eat it, because that's all we have. Yeah. And we're gonna eat macaroni and cheese for a month straight because it was on sale and that's all I could afford. Yeah but I need to feed, you know, six people for, I think every presidential election should require without any prompting that each candidate be given a shopping spree <laughs> and they be put through one debate has to be this. They get an hour to shop <laughs> and they have to feed a family of four with a hundred dollars <gasps> and see what they come out with. And yeah. then I just had a, a like arrested development flashback of like, what is a, what is one banana anyway? $10. <laughs> oh so sad she passed uh but yeah it, um, she was wonderful yeah jessica walters was incredible mm. um I, but yeah i just so that's just that kind of thing of yeah, like uh, the american the american dream has this idea that you're self-made but not really yeah you know? i think i think there's a myth that canada is so much better it's not mm-hmm. it really isn't we just we 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 don't have the same media presence or the same mm-hmm. kind of um it's it's not and you do remind me of that but you you, it is in some ways and these conversations always do highlight that it's not it's not raised into you the same way it is no no and that I think is the difference and I think part of that is because it's certainly for me with the era I was raised in there were more regulations around the media we had a lot of CanCon that's required (laughs) does anybody even know what CanCon is (laughs) It's Canadian content that's required in our media. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's actually a certain percentage of our media that's required to be Canadian content. <laughs> yeah. Like how food has to have a certain amount of the thing it says it has. To. Yep. Well, that's we have to have. Like if you yeah. have any kind of required training for France, it has to be offered in French. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. It's a cultural preservation tactic. Yeah. We actually have specific amounts, and so that we have there's funding for arts and entertainment in Canada there we had specific ads that were historical moments in Canada so we would like instead of just getting your ads for like Cheerios or whatever you'd get ads for um like the fact that it was uh, Canadian scientists who discovered penicillin or the um did the surgery to to figure out where uh in the brain it triggers epileptic seizures or like, <laughs> right or you know discover the telephone or <laughs> yeah i know we've talked about this before i can't remember if it was on the show or just in life but that my parents accidentally one day got a canadian television channel when i was a kid and that's yeah. what radicalized me <laughs> that's brilliant and those so, are the only shows i was allowed to watch and i was right? gonna say <laughs> so yes broadwood it is different i know you don't think so but remember, after one hour of canadian sesame street i was a communist i 100 percent true <laughs> actually that's totally. really accurate yeah i was gonna say broadwood yeah. sometimes you video called me and we've had to play is that a gunshot or fireworks a game that you've never played in canada it's <laughs> true it's true anyway <laughs> embrace it okay there's plenty of problems in canada but you can't be the worst while we're here (laughs) fair enough and certainly we had a lot of uh we had a lot of the american media coming at us and so there was and the fact like (laughs) i don't know how familiar you are with canadian like comedy but we have this hour has 22 minutes um 
which is sort of just a, a take on the fact that, you know, you get a half hour show and it's only 22 minutes of content. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they had a whole set called Talking to Americans. <laughs> and it was all about like the, the fact that Americans have almost no education about Canada, whereas in Canada, we have a lot of education mm-hmm. about American politics and geography and things like that. Just, right. I mean, big neighbor, right? And you guys have so many people and money and influence and things like that. Whereas, you know, we're physically a lot bigger, but mm-hmm. obviously our population density is such that <laughs> we don't have the same level of impact. <laughs> my favorite thing was being in FIBA in Greece and speaking to this wonderful young woman. She's like, you're Americans. She just said, she's like, you're not from here. Um, she was from Athens and she'd married a guy who lived in Theba and so which was a village and she had moved there for him and she was just in hell um <laughs> she's like there's no culture there's nothing I'm going crazy but she was talking about how she went they went to America and she's they got off the plane and they're walking around saying are those the murderers are they the murderers because <laughs> they it's like we watch it's like how much law and order do you watch yeah that's yeah. fair a lot <laughs> but they yeah. had this idea that like you're just going to get, you know, there's just murders happening every 10 seconds, which, you know, <laughs> fair, some neighborhoods, but it was just funny because it's like, no, it's not really, okay. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. All, uh, but but all, all of our media is murder mysteries. <laughs> yeah. And ours is all ridiculous, absurdist humor. So <laughs> very cute. I love it. Yeah. Um, I, but I do, I wanted to say, I do really love that you're writing a book about community college. I got genuinely giddy because I am a, I'm a, this is not a brag, I swear, but I'm about to get a doctorate. And I started at a community college and the amount of people that when I say that go, why did you go to community college? You're smart. And I just, it floors me every time. Cause like there's this perception that it's like, that's where, you know, the people who can't get better go, Oh God. which is so absurd. It was an amazing education. And I always be like, you know, I don't have uh, student loans from my undergrad years because of that. Thank you. That's why. Right? Because yeah. of accessibility. Yeah. Why, why do people look down on accessible options? I don't understand. A lot of it's, a lot of it's the cost was helpful. And yep. even when I, so here, here's a funny story about David. Um, when I was finishing my bachelor's, I had transferred around. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any guidance, but I was finally ready to graduate. So I went down and I sat, I sat down in the registration registrar's office said, okay, here's all the 3 million credits I have from all the schools and things I've done. Mm-hmm. Am I ready to graduate? I think I've got enough for my history degree. When they calculated, it said, you need a math credit. You need three, three hours in math. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, sign me up. And I said, no, no, no. We need to test you first. Cause we're not sure. I went to take the test. I got a 14%. Oh no. So they said, so remember, I have all of my credits done. I am one class short of graduation. Oh God. They said, you're going to need to take with a 14%. It's so bad. You're not even going to be able to take what would now be like a, you know, a 101. Mm-hmm. You're going to take 030, 060, and 090. You've got to take three remedials to get good enough to take a college level math class. So Every Saturday for a year from 8 a.m. to noon, I bust over to the community college campus because they said, I said, well, we offer it in joint. You can pay our tuition, but it's in joint with the CC with Community College of Denver. I said, well, why don't I just sign up over there and transfer? Because it's going to be like a third of the cost, right? Because not going through the joint. I said, I guess you could do that. I was like, 
save thousands of dollars. Right. I, Obviously you did. That's the 14% of match passed. <laughs> I, at least I have that much, you know, math. So I'm uh, here. I am 32 years old, sitting in class Saturday morning, 8 a.m. I've got my pen. I've got my book. I'm, I'm going to power my way through this. And like, we're going to start with, you know, frac teaching you what a fraction is like mm-hmm. some of it. I knew whatever. I am in there with all of these students who do not want to be there. And they, there's these two, there's these two people talking and they're just blah, 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 the whole class. So finally, like an hour in on the first day, the professor was talking and I said, I'm sorry, can you stop for just a moment? I stood up and turned around and said, I have to be here every Saturday for a year to get out and graduate. I have to be, I don't want to be, would you just shut the fuck up? <laughs> Like, I don't care if you're not going to pay attention or you don't have to be here. Don't. This is college. It's optional. No one's making you. I want to be here. I want to graduate. If you don't want to and you're not interested, be Be elsewhere. Yes. Or shut the fuck up. Yeah. That's all I'm asking because I really have to take this and I hate it giving up my Saturday morning for a year. I turned around. The professor had this look on her face of utter shock and I said, You control your classroom. <laughs> got to work. So now let's continue. Oh my God. I love you so I'm much. Like, what is this problem? I'm like, I am 32 years old. And I don't have a, don't, I don't care. Anymore. I have zero very fucks for you. I'm very tired. <laughs> yes. oh anyway. So, um, uh, and then I got through my 030 and my 060 and my own I know and they said, well, we just changed the program and you no longer have to take algebra. You can just take <laughs> I, math God. or liberal arts majors. And I said, and I want to murder you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I mean, I have a degree in environmental science, so I did a lot of math, science. but that was, that's murder level. I get you. Everything mm-hmm. in my college, my college degree were a saga that the universe was like, it just isn't for you. And I kept arguing and the universe yes. just said, okay, now I'm going to knock all the teeth out of your head. Like that was literally mm-hmm. my college experience. It was so ridiculously painful. Here's here. So you're doing entrance essays. I wrote an essay for a school. I will leave it unnamed. Um, I came, I came to Denver on a scholarship for poetry for the yeah. university of Denver. Mm-hmm. It's a funny story. So please bear with the segue into something utterly unrelated to writing. I love it. I w- it's a quarterly system at DU. Now, remember, at this point, I'm like 23. I don't have any real contact with my parents. Mm-hmm. Turns out they were still claiming me on their taxes. <gasps> so DU says, hey, your parents claimed you on your taxes. So we're going to cut your scholarship because they make enough money that they're paying for it. And it's like, no. no. Now, DU is a private liberal arts school, which means they're used to their students having lots of money. They did not know what to do with a poor scholarship kid, a little older than the average, on a GED with some community college under his belt, who writes poetry. So it just gets funnier and funnier. So they keep calling and saying, well, when your parents send your money, okay, just pretend my parents are dead. Mm -hmm. This goes on. Finally, I get my stepmother to give me a copy of their tax returns because it was required everything they call me in midterms hey we need the copy of this like i don't have contact but they claimed use we need it so finally i get it i'm too young and dumb at the time so i did not make a copy give it to the office the office loses it they call no. me we need it again i'm on the quarter system just struggling much higher advanced academics than i'm used to call me up we've lost it we need it again it's like i brought it we lost it we need it again 
-hmm. call the stepmother, deal with all that, get another copy. This time, make a copy, take it down to the office. Clerk's like, I brought you the thing that you said you needed so much. Okay, great. You can just give it to me. It's, no, 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 no. Go get my file. <laughs> yes, <laughs> smart. Can't get the file. Go get it. No. She brings it. Give me that stapler. Stapled it to the folder. Go put this folder right back where it goes. And if I get another phone call, I'm going to come here. <laughs> you specifically. So, and then like, that quarter ends and they're like, yeah, we're cutting our scholarship. I'm like, well, I can't afford. And they're like, we'll just pay tuition. I'm like, no, you, I don't want a million dollars in loans. So poor child, go live on street, try to get in state tuition. It was just a blast. Oh get to the God. new school. The new school is like, okay, you're a transfer student. We need your transcripts. Okay. So I get all my transcripts in and here. Now here's the funny part of the story. Apply to a school, well-known classics program stuff. This will be fun. I, you know, I'm, I'll get my lit degree get up there. I wrote the essay as required. I thought I did a good job. Get up there and having the, the interview. Mm -hmm. Did you write the essay about why you dropped out of high school? No, there was nothing in the essay parameters about past failures or whatever. So no, I didn't. I wrote it about, you know, my aspirations about why I want to have a literature degree. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Did you write your essay about why you dropped out of high school? <laughs> we just did that didn't we, you and I a minute ago? Okay. Um, or no, I didn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Another good lengthy reason. Five minutes. Did you write your letter about the essay about why you dropped out of high school? Okay. As I've established twice before, no, I didn't. Do you oh want me to God. go rewrite it about that? Cause that seems to be what you're indicating. No, no, that's not necessary. A few minutes later, she's like, did you write I don't do enough drugs to go to the school, apparently. So I'm going to withdraw my application. <laughs> oh my! Please tell God. me you actually said that to her. I did. I oh, I love you. that. Oh my God, for that's you. such a good. Very gay and very tired. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Yes, oh my I think God. that is absolutely this episode titled. By the way, yes. <laughs> very gay and very tired. Very yeah, gay, yeah. very tired. Or, <laughs> I don't do enough drugs to go to the school. I mean, uh, you one, know, half dozen of the other. <laughs> if I start really subtitling the chapters in RCC, that'll have to be one of them. I must yes, I don't that's really that. good. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, wow, Academia, it's a great place. The full saga takes about an hour, so I'm stopping there. Yeah. But yeah, no, it just there. There was the time they made me travel between three offices on foot in a loop for two hours. I got my I've steps done, in. I've done that. I have done that. <laughs> I did it on the phone and I thought I'll do it in person. That must go better. No, no, no. <laughs> no. See, I, I think I have been maybe tired and queer longer than either of you maybe because I had no patience for this. Like I was this like tiny, young, very naive, very rural person in school in university in a city for the first time in my life, my hair dyed green, my long pigtails and telling my professor that I want to major in chemistry. <laughs> and he's taking one look at me going, are you sure? There's a lot of physics in that. I'm like, uh-huh. And he's like, but are you sure? Cause maybe natural resource management might be more your bag. I'm like, nope, I'm good. I want to do chemistry. <laughs> it's like, 
but I'm like, you're going to sign me up or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you found that earlier. I didn't hit my green hair era until more recently, <laughs> but then oh. I had the pleasure of absolutely acing, like literally 100%ing oh. his class <laughs> in I was, water chemistry. I had no idea what I was doing and I had no yeah. guidance. And I gave a little bit of that closeness to Adam because mm-hmm. he's like, what do I do? And this is yeah, part yeah. of the reason he has a mentor early on is I want to think, I wish I'd had that. Yeah. Um, but Sue is like, Sue is an untrustworthy mentor and that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, my fan casting for Sue, by the way, is Kate Mulgrew. <gasps> oh, that is really good. Action. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Captain Admiral Janeway, if you're hearing this. Yes. yes. Oh. oh, that is glorious. Yeah. Do you have a fan cast for everybody? I have fan cast for everybody and it shifts around as people age and stuff. So of course. Fair. Who's your Adam? Did we talk about that? We didn't, right? We no. didn't. You, you, y'all you, had some ideas and I had different ones. Um, Sean Grandilio, he was in the Scream TV show. He was in yeah. the Real Universe. He's played gay Ooh. a few times. Um, I think he'd be a great Adam. He's actually in Oklahoma in LA right now. Nice. I think it just wrapped. Um, yeah. he's always been a really good Adam to me. He's, he looks good in flannel. He's kind of, again, he's kind of aging out of it. So he's almost too old now. Yeah. Um, I have to find somebody younger. Um, it's tough. Danny Ramirez, who plays the new Falcon in Falcon and the winter soldier TV show. Yeah. He's the <gasps> wings. Yes. yes. I love him. Excellent Vic. Yes. No, I'm here for that. That's a great cast. Vic needs to be Mexican. He needs to be definitely have, you know, um, yep. Definitely needs to have the South American look, something strong there. Like, right, oh, d- yeah, know that. But somebody who's actually kind of aging into the role well is Michael Simino, who played Victor in Love Victor. Yes, in Love Victor, he was a little too, you know, teeny, and he's actually in his early 20s. Lately, he's been putting on some facial hair and he's really bulked up in muscle. Nice, he could pull a Vic, he could really pull a Vic. All right. Ooh. I didn't see it until like just a few months ago. And I'm like, okay, I'm starting to like, he's been doing some photo spreads and stuff, like showing a more mature look, which I yeah. think you know, everybody who's done like a teen thing wants to grow yeah. out of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Michael could pull it. I oh, like it. Good. Yeah. yeah. Good casting. Oh, I love this. Yeah. I put some time into this. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. It. So we're going to go. So now we're going to go into back to supernatural for a minute. Okay. Silver. You need three yes. different actors to portray silver. Yes. Ooh. Yep. You need Osric Chow for Parak. Okay. Uh, Ludi Lin for Silver. Yes! Oh my God, I love this. How did you like punched your computer? I know, I know, but I love that casting. Holy crap. Or alternately, I take Justin Min from Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then Louis Tam for King Silver. Oh my God. Yes! Oh my God. Oh my God. Tell me you've seen the, the latest Mortal Kombat. Uh, no, but I know I'm from the Power Rangers movie. No, fair enough. Yes. Um, my partner, Steve. I love Steve. that Lewis Tam is in a uh, rom-com getting to play 11, like he's playing right? 11 yes. rom-com and gets to oh, do something. So excited. Non-martial already. Um, yes. My Argent, bear with me on this one. Okay. Kelly Marie Tran from The Last <gasps> Jedi. Yes. You saw her, if you saw her in the Rise of Skywalker premiere dress. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So classic gorgeous old hollywood oh i'm here for it i love it i know right holy crap that's great casting had the right energy for argent's like hollywood glamour look no dear lord i love that 
she and Ludi would just like they yeah yeah so well in that. Also, I love the idea of just you know mix up the make, diversify the casting. Yeah, yeah. Those are my obvious ones. So. Oh, I love those. No, that that's inspired. Oh, it is. I'm looking at the dress again. I had to remind myself it's so good. Yeah, it's a gorgeous <laughs> dress. And then my brand is you won't know him, Ismail Ismail Abadal. He's a Ooh. Spanish actor. Okay. He does voiceover work, like he um, he voiced over Aquaman um, as the, but he's got the right, like check him out on Instagram or Twitter. He's the, he'll make a great brand. What was his last name? Abadal. Um, like if you say yep. Abadul, that's all A's. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, <wow>. Yeah, that'll do nicely. <laughs> uh-huh. I stalk this kid's Instagram. He's like, why is this American? I'm like, because he- my yes right. uh, yep i have I yet to cast isaac the main character in rcc yet but my brain will scan and be like um, that yes. person like that person yep. yes. <laughs> delightful oh that makes me oh, very happy God. yeah <laughs> i feel like we've talked about most of your projects but for our listeners you want to run through again what's coming out soon that they can expect sure so my first epic fantasy dark moon shallow sea is out halloween 2023 it is the story of rape he's the last worshiper of the moon goddess her murder stopped the tides (gasps) darkened the night sky and left the ghosts of the dead without a path to the underworld now they haunt the nights and rise as a blood-hungry mist called the grief but Rafe, her last worshiper, has a gift from her he can see in the dark. He breaks into the sun worshiper's temple to steal a box. He thinks he's going to find bones, gold, jewels inside. Instead, he finds another living boy named Kinos. Rafe steals Kinos, thinking he's found a friend, possibly a first love, maybe just maybe the key to bringing back the moon. But if Rafe can't solve the mystery, he'll be the one in the box. The moon will never rise again. And the world will drown in ghosts. Oh my God. I so that's Dark Moon Shallow Sea 2023. The next project, which I don't have the release date on yet because it's a different publisher and we're working through some edits, is to catch a geek. So Hunter is the king of the nerds. He wants to reboot his favorite property, Space Rangers, a sci-fi show he was in love with. The only problem is that the creator, who everybody thought was such a great feminist and guy, has died and left the rights to his grumpy son, Cameron. Cameron was in the show as a kid, as a robot boy, in makeup, and he blames it for his parents' divorce, never getting the chance to come out to his dad, and just all around, the, you know, the sad thing that he has a bunch of money and yet doesn't know what to do with it. When Hunter comes and begs Cameron for the rights because his fan sourced all this money to reboot the show, Cameron realizes the only way for him to kill Space Rangers Rangers forever is to poison the well. So he agrees to it as long as they make a documentary about his dad first. And he'll get to tell the world what a great person his dad really was and show him for who he really was. Unfortunately, sparks fly and, you know, grumpy sunshine things are going to happen oh my god i love this so much that's to catch a geek i don't know when it's out but it should be late 2023 again just waiting on edits and stuff on my publisher the next project that's contracted is rogue community college it's a spinoff to the adam binder series (laughs) isaac is an undertaker he is an assassin who has yet to make a kill but his first mission is to infiltrate the elves new school for wayward practitioners 
Unfortunately, his plans are complicated by a couple of things. He doesn't hate the other students for one, and he's starting to have feelings for a certain emo chaos monkey class <laughs> with. Also, much more complicated when you figure out that the building is alive. How do you assassinate a building? So that's Rogue Community College. You ask Adam. <laughs> You get lots of cameos from people from the Adam universe, and um, you that's out October 2024 from Blackstone. Oh, oh I can't believe I have to wait that long. <laughs> I'm gonna die, David. <laughs> it's due in five days, it's not done. I'm gonna need an extension, it's coming. Fair enough, fair enough. That's fair. Oh, and where can our listeners find you? I'm easy to find, just David R. Slayton. Just don't forget the R, otherwise you get some Florida man types. But if you just Google David Slayton books, you'll find me, um, my little grinning picture. And um, all of the projects that I have, um, the Adam Binder series is complete at the moment and is available for sale. But you can find me on Goodreads. All the projects are listed there if you want to add them to want to read later. But the Adam series is available in paperback, ebook, um, audio from Blackstone. And if your bookstore doesn't have it, just ask them to order it. They can get it in. Awesome. Oh, and your library too. Yes. You know, just, just don't pirate. If you can't afford it, that's totally cool. Um, just grab it from your local library. They can also bring it in for you. And even if you don't have a local library card, you can get one from Queens you know, Library in New York. No matter where you no live matter in the world. where you are in the world. <laughs> Right now, the first two books are on sale on Kindle for 99 cents. So, um, we're, you know, worst case scenario, you can spend a couple bucks to get the first two books and then right. White Trash I, Warlock and Trailer Park Trickster. Definitely I, talk Steve into buying them, even though I, I own them in every other way. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, I was like, I need to go get those. And I was like, wait, I already bought them in every form. Why would I need to get them again? But I might. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. We... Oh, and they just added them to the Yonder app. So if you're on Ooh. Yonder and um, you're reading in that format, you can get them on Yonder. They're there. The first two are. And exciting. the audiobook is available in Spotify now too. You can buy it there. Ooh. Oh my God. That is That's so exciting. So cool. Blackstone's oh. great. They're like, just put me everywhere. It's nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, they were at, um, I was just at the American Library Convention and Blackstone was there and I literally ran up to tell them how much I love your books. <laughs> Well, thank you. I think they actually told me that when I saw them because I was saw them at New York Comic Con right after. Oh my god! Really? Yeah, that was me. That, that unhinged person they described. That kind of feedback goes a long way, and they, I love Blackstone because they they're so incredibly supportive. And when I told them I write books about gay characters that are not about being gay that just clicked, they got it, and they just ran with it. Like they've just been the coolest people yeah. to work with, and they're. They're very fun and disruptive. Like they're trying to do different things in the market. They're very creative. For example, for their book, Cold as Hell, they got the audio narrator. They used the voice of the guy from Red Dead Redemption. <gasps> they brought so in cool. a video game person. I just thought it was like really smart casting. They got yeah. Tanner Buchanan from Cobra Kai oh. for their Great Gatsby release. Oh, recently. there's that for you. <laughs> it is some cool stuff. That's amazing. Like the, the voice actor makes a big difference for an audio. Like I love, I love, like I read in every format. Literally yeah. I have so many physical books, but I have to, I have such a problem. Oh my God. I have such a problem with reading. So I have 15 apps on my phone for reading. <laughs> Same. And so I'm constantly, constantly reading. And so I have to have audio as well so that I can be 
reading when I'm doing other things as well and satisfies my brain, keeps me in the good space, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, helps me focus. It's just, I love it. And especially stuff that puts me in a, in a good headspace. It doesn't have to always be happy, but it puts me in a good place. It makes me feel comfortable, you know, and that'll help me sleep. It helps me focus at work. It helps me, you know, do my math. <laughs> it's a different part of my brain. <laughs> so well, like, I just love Michael's take. He does such a great job on my stuff. And oh, um, absolutely. I love that we got him for the whole trilogy. I hope we get him for RCC, um, everything really. He's just so, he does such a wonderful job and he's funny because he's, um, He's not on social media very much, but I'll, I do occasionally will screenshot stuff and send it to him so he can see, you know, the people love his work. And he, uh, he, I just think he's, he's really grown into the role too. Like I just mm-hmm. listened to Debbie Druitt and he does such a fantastic job. I feel like he's deepened his, his tones for Vic. Like he's really just, mm-hmm. the way that he portrays these characters, he's, by the time he, I really felt by Trailer Park Trister, he had it down but he just did such a fantastic job on Druid. It's incredible the ability of a really good voice actor to mm-hmm. um, portray so many different characters and to have them distinguishable, you know? It makes me so sad to see that a lot of, that they're trying to push AI voice reads and no. put voice actors out of work. I just, I hate that. I, yeah, me too. It's not the same. It's, it is not the same. It's awful. It is not good and like voice acting is hard I do voiceover work for just like short videos and mm-hmm. it's hard work it's hard and work and you're brilliant at it <laughs> well thank you you're very kind I wouldn't say brilliant <laughs> Mike Michael David Axtell brilliant me middling at best but <laughs> I said brilliant I appreciate you <laughs> that's hard hard work and he's really really good at it so <laughs> And Meredith, his wife, is the director, and she does such a great job. Yes. They do such a great job together. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just that that makes a huge difference. Like I love, I love an audiobook, but an audiobook with a really talented actor is that's next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and they when they sent me samples. So one of the cool things about working with Blackstone is when they um, began production of the audiobook, they sent me samples for three actors. And so which of the, you know, do you choose? And um, it was just Michael right away. Like the other two are fine actors, but they just didn't have Adam's voice. And the key mm-hmm. thing is they did the first chapter. They did the first part of the first chapter. And that moment where Adam thinks to himself, casual, casual, right? Because he's insecure about it. Mm-hmm. Michael got that casual. Mm-hmm. Like he just really got the little bit of humor in that. And he yeah. also got the um, the insecurity came through and I was like, ah, oh, this is the guy. He understands yes. what he's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. He understood the assignment. <laughs> it's funny because his picture pops up sometimes. He doesn't have a massive presence, but sometimes bookstores will accidentally use his picture instead of mine when I have Aww. an event and I'll show up. It'll be his face on the door. And I'm like, not who you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> but if That's I ever need to be in two places at once, I'm just going to send him. I'm like, Michael. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. I'm- He's familiar with the material, at least. Yeah, let's talk about it. It's amazing. I begged him. I love Rand so much that when they did Trickster, um, I know that they had finished recording, but it had they hadn't finished the production. I'm like, can you just send me a sample of Rand? And he sent me a little file, it's a secret Rand file. Oh my, oh my god, god. I love that. 
Yeah. Uh, well, Vran was a big hit for us for sure. Oh, 100%. 100%. Love <laughs> him. That little monster. So he he shows up in every book that I write and he's always like, is it my turn? Is it my turn? He's like a mental virus. I love that. <laughs> and he always wants to pop up. So when I wrote, when I write a fantasy, he's like, is it my book? I'm like, no, go away. Um, <laughs> he, well, am I here? No, go away. This is a contemporary mystery. Like he'll just pop up in something. And I'll eventually I'm like trickster. Okay. You're finally up. Shut up and get on the page. Um, it was nice. So I feel like I'm stage directing him, but he does show, you will see different forms of him show mm. up in other works sometimes. And the Loki variant. Get out of my head. He is literally <laughs> the Loki variant. He's uh, in the space opera. He's the AI. Oh. Nice. Um, he's It's virtual reconnaissance and neural network. Um, oh right? my so he, God. Like, he's he actually Bram. <laughs> you'll see him pop up in case. God, I love that. Oh, oh, I hurt you. <laughs> That's amazing. He's been in my head for 20 years and you need him out. Yeah. That's how I, I feel about that. Rafe and Dark Moon. It's like you've been, he's like my feral firstborn. I'm like, at least he's finally paying rent. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Oh my God. I am absolutely telling my mom that tomorrow. I <laughs> mean, like, okay, as your feral firstborn. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. That's very you. I would literally have conversations with my age and they're like, we have to sell this book. I'm so sick of having this kid in my head. I need yeah. him out. I need That's amazing. Out of my head and on the page. And then I have another fantasy that she, my agent's favorite book of mine, which we haven't sold yet, is um, she's, that's the hers. I'm like, that one's important, but I've got to get this kid out of my head. Sell this book. <laughs> amazing. I love it. Oh, your good. agent has a book of yours that she likes better than the Adam Binder series. My agent has a book of mine that is her favorite book of mine. And one of the reasons she's my agent is when she read it, she, I have no spoilers because hopefully it'll happen. It was supposed to be my first sale, but then the publisher, we had the contract, the release date, everything and the edits, but then the publisher had some problems. We had to pull the contract. It was really sad. Mm. Um, But then there's a death in the book and she was crying and her husband's like, what's wrong? She's like, this character died. This person died. He's like, wait, is this person real? I'm like, no, it's a damn. Like, so, yeah. I love that. My agent's amazing. She's so cool. Oh, that is awesome. Well, I cannot wait to read that because although I will definitely take a day off work because I don't want to be sobbing in the office. Thanks. <laughs> well, and I learned from this year, I'm taking release week off next year. So how will not take my day job? I will be dealing yep. with book stuff so very smart yeah, that seems wise yeah <laughs> well I feel like we could talk to you for about five more hours but yes. neither one of us will be awake if we try to do that so. almost what I am there yeah <laughs> it really is yep it is it well, is I really appreciate you I but know. let me let you go so you can no. sleep genuinely this was so much fun though yeah. we really yeah. appreciate you taking the time to spend with us thank you huh? you can come back anytime you want <laughs> I will. I'll see you for the next book next year, if you like. Yeah. Uh, yes. Can we pre-book that now? <laughs> I was gonna say. We can talk, we'll talk about dead gods and mythology and trauma because yeah. that that's that was just a trauma sandwich. Yeah. We do love talking about traumas. So. Yeah, that is a thing that we do. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, listeners, go get all those books on your uh, Goodreads marked and buy the ones that are out. Yes. So so worth it. (laughs) And hit that pre-order button right away just to join us. (laughs) 
Goodbye, listeners. Stay thirsty. And where can our listeners find you, Bronwyn? You can find me on all the things at Shiny Baby B. I mostly live on Twitter, where I usually am tweeting about what I'm reading, because I'm always reading. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at The Myth of Psyche, where I tweet about feminism, psychology, and also what I am reading. <laughs> And you can find me also on Gotham Outsiders, a podcast talking about queerness and feminism in the Bat family with my co-host TJ. And you should also be checking out our parent podcast at Talking Comics on Twitter, or you can email them at podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. And if you want to uncork more web comics goodness from our show, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Thirsty on Tune, where we should be reading, drinking, and being nerdy. 